Welcome. Break. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome back to my podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet, 24th podcast, ladies and gentlemen, for the next, pause the music, for the next hour or so, you're going to be hearing a whole bunch of that. I don't know if you can hear it. It's my AC. It's my air conditioner. It is my fan. It is my mini fan. You're going to be hearing a whole bunch of other noise. Why? Because I am recording this when it is hot outside, so it is very hot in my room. I lit a candle to get the freaking, to, to, to make it smell better in here. It's pretty freaking hot in here. Not to make it smell better. I just like the smell of the candle. So as the title of the podcast says, why Dallas Cowboys will win the NFC East or Dallas Cowboys will win the, I don't know what I'm going to title it, but it's pretty much going to be like Dallas Cowboys will be, will win the NFC East, probably be a one seed within the conference, probably be a deep playoff contender this year. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to break all that information down. Probably some other stuff as well. I'm not really sure on what I'm going to be, you know, talking about today, but I got, I got a really, really nice podcast. It's like, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to be talking about today, but I know it's going to be pretty good. Ladies and gentlemen, that and much, much more right here. 24 podcast. Awesome. Awesome stuff. All right, <clears throat> where should I begin? Where should I end with um, with the Dallas Cowboys? You know, I've been trying to plan this out. By the way, for Friday, we're going to have some Friday fun. I got a game going on right now, a pretty fun game um, that I'm recording. Let me pause uh, everything. Got a pretty fun game going on. The NFL Network actually put on an interesting game, Patriots versus El Freaky, Axon Jackson, Lamar Jackson. And by the way, it's funny how this works. I was watching the um, the highlights of the um, of the Dallas Cowboys versus the Minnesota game, and what do you know? The NFL Network decided, oh my God, we're going to put on yet again another Dallas Cowboy game in which they lose in horrific fashion because that's the only because of the people at the NFL Network they like to troll uh, the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. That's fine. We'll also cast that football game and. I'll break down where Jason Garrett went wrong and where uh, Dak Prescott went right because I think that's one of the best games of the season. All to have it spoiled by um, one redheaded former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys who had a longer tenure as a Dallas Cowboy head coach um, than the Hall of Famer Jimmy Johnson. So, but enough about last year's Dallas Cowboys. Let's talk about this year's Dallas Cowboys because. Pretty much the offseason has um, has officially ended. Um, the preparations for preseason, whatever that's going to be, has officially begun. A lot of um, OTAs, I think, are going to happen next month or this month or whatever. You have the virtual involuntary workouts, which, by the way, a lot of people, they complain about certain players, specifically Dak Prescott. Everybody's like, Dak Prescott should be at involuntary workouts. Dak Prescott should be invo- at involuntary workouts. Well, I can name a bunch of Hall of Famers who did not go to involuntary workouts. It's like they're involuntary for a reason. The best players... Here's, by the way, here's a hint. Here's the inside information for people who 
usually don't necessarily watch and look at a lot of the technical aspects that happen within the um, the preseason and the draft and stuff like that. Like fans that don't really care about that stuff. Um, most top players don't go to the involuntary workouts. A, because they're involuntary, and B, they like to work out on the, on their own. They like to work out on their own mechanics before they, jo- before they join the team once again. Usually the involuntary workouts are for the guys that may or may not make the team because, you know, they're here to show up and be like, hey, you know, we're, we're a team guy and stuff like that. And also guys that are probably new. Like a rookie is going to go to the involuntary work, the, the voluntary workouts, excuse me. Now the involuntary workouts, completely different thing. The voluntary workouts, oh yeah. Oh yeah, they're not working. They're they're not going. Uh, they're not going to the um, to voluntary workouts. On top of that, the best players like Tom Brady, I think even Drew Brees, they don't go to those things either. Now, for me personally speaking, as much as people want to be like, well, Dak Prescott, he became a better quarterback under ex quarterback coach and under ex um, offensive coordinator. Really, his mechanics. Again, if you don't know this, really his throwing mechanics have not actually come from the Dallas Cowboy coaching staff. It's actually his own quarterback coaches that he hires and he works with. Tom House, he's the same guy that trains Drew Brees and Tom Brady. That's who Dak Prescott works with. The workout that Dak Prescott, you know, is famous for, the Dak dance, he got that from Tom House. It's the same workout that Drew Brees does. It's the same workout that Tom Brady does. If you listen to Dak Prescott talk about it, he constantly says, it's not my dance. Tom Brady does it. Drew Brees does it. A lot of other veteran quarterbacks, they do it. It's to widen out your hips to um, to essentially, you know, start that process of, uh, start that natural process that he goes into whenever he's throwing the football where he throws with his legs. I was watching some some of the Minnesota game and Dak Prescott, he was starting to like whenever he would throw, he would kind of jerk his body like he was like he was it was kind of like a shoulder shrug a little bit where he would kind of jerk his body and it would kind of cause a safety to just start sprinting over to that side where he kind of pump faked a little bit. But instead of it just being like a pump fake with his arm, it was it was kind of like he was going into that throwing motion with his lower body. Now some people say, well 24, why does he do that? Well because Dak Prescott doesn't have a strong arm. Same thing goes with Tom Brady. Same thing goes with Drew Brees. They don't necessarily have the biggest arms. Uh, but what they do do, or what they do use, is their lower bodies. They use their legs to throw the football. And the reason why is that, obviously, your legs are pretty big parts of your body. They can, you know, they can generate a lot of torque, a lot of speed, a lot of power. Ask anyone who does kickboxing. It's like, where where does a lot of that torque and speed and power come from whenever you're throwing a kick it's not coming from you know your calves it's coming from your hips and your thighs so when you open up your hips you open up it it allows you to generate more torque when you swing into that kick the same thing goes when you're throwing a football open up your hips you generate more speed more power more torque you can use your lower body to throw the football that's why Dak Prescott does it that's why all these other quarterbacks do it and on top of that it it doesn't necessarily cause your your throwing arm to be stressed that much right a good example of somebody who doesn't do that, that muscles the football with their arm, is Cam Newton. He's had injury concerns and injury, um, not history, but an injury list, especially with his shoulder, because he freaking rips apart uh, all the muscles and joints in his throwing shoulder because he freaking, he's, he's got a big arm, but it's so powerful, it actually damages his own body. And then on top of that, it's, it's the only way that he throws the football. He doesn't ever use his legs, so it just it causes so much wear and tear on his 
on his not only on his arm but on his shoulder as well. It's like throw it your legs if you're a quarterback, especially in the NFL, and especially if you don't have a Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton arm. It's why, by the way, being a quarterback in the league, you don't necessarily need to have a strong arm. Now, with that monologue finishing about quarterback arm strength and things of that nature, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys, why they're going to win, not the NFC East, but pretty much, not yeah, the NFC East, I was about to say the, the NFC, but um, yeah, the NFC, the NFC East pretty much be a deep playoff contender for the, um, for, uh, for the next year. So let me go ahead and pull up their schedule, which ironically enough, their schedule is going to be released tomorrow. So I'll also have a podcast talking about the schedule release tomorrow once it gets released. All right, let me look up the Dallas Cowboys. And this is their schedule, but this isn't like the actual games and weeks and months that they're playing in. So I'm just going to look that up. I've gone over this before. However, I like to you know, refresh my memory. I like to go over it once again. So the teams that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be playing up against are obviously the three teams besides them in the NFC East. So that's six games because you're playing them at home and away. The uh, the NFC North, that's another four games. The Not the NFC North, the NFC West, uh, Seattle, the 49ers, the Cardinals, and then who else? Oh, yeah, the Rams. And then they play the AFC North, Baltimore, Cincinnati, the Browns, and then the Steelers. So in total with those two divisional games, not divisional games, but those two divisions plus your six divisional games, that makes eight games and you're missing two more games. The two games that they're going to be playing because of their record are going to be Atlanta and also the, um, the, the Vikings. So now you have the full schedule, essentially. That's who the Dallas Cowboys are going to be playing up against. NFC West, NFC, uh, not NFC North, NFC West, AFC North, the NFC East divisional rivals, and then Minnesota and Atlanta. We'll see how that kind of comes together, what stretches and what games they'll win and things of that nature and how they'll do later on. But that's how they'll essentially, that's who they're going to be playing next year. Now, in my opinion, I think Dallas is a 10-win minimum team. And I will continue to say that. Until they prove me otherwise. I think they can win 10 wins, 10 games minimum. In fact, I think they can win those games pretty easily, actually, I might add. Let's start off with your division. Six games against Washington, New York, and then Philadelphia. Okay? I always like to give a game for the NFC. So I'm going to give two here. So Dallas, they, I mean, I'll give up one. I'll give up one. No, I'll give up two. I'll give up two. To who? I don't know. I just like to cover my ass, you know? That sounds a little bit weird. Like, 24, you're just giving up a game to your divisional, to your division? Yeah, because the division is that good. I was thinking about it today. You know, there's certain divisions where you go into and you're you're playing up against teams and things of that nature, and teams, they don't have divisional pride. They don't go in and they're like, you know what? We're playing up against our, our divisional rival. We got to play up. We don't have to play down. We cannot play down. We got to play up. We got to play better because we're going to hear about it for the rest of the year. We got it. We got Hall of Famers that took these games seriously. We got to take these games here. There's very, very few divisions that do that. The NFC East is the only division in all of football besides maybe, weirdly enough, the AFC East where they shut down the Patriots every now and again. 
and um, kind of the uh, the NFC West as well, where it's like certain divisions. Most of the divisions in the league they don't they don't have divisional pride. The NFC North you got no pride. NFC South you got no pride. Uh, NFC West you kind of do, but also your division is good for right now. When it stunk for like the past decade plus. AFC West, you got some pride. You got some, but not as much as like NFC NFC East, NFC North, or not Northwest. AFC East. You got some pride here and there. AFC West. AFC South, you got no pride. AFC North, you got a lot of pride. I'll give you that. Baltimore, Steelers, Bengals, Browns, they don't like each other. I like that division a lot. Point is, some divisions they got pride, some divisions they don't got pride. Uh, the NFC East, excuse me, I was about to say New England. The NFC East has a lot of pride. They don't like losing to NFC East teams. So that's why I like to give up a game or two to the NFC on top of the games that we were supposed to lose, which I don't think we're going to lose any. Like if, if, if Washington, the Giants, and the Eagles weren't our divisional rivals, I would be like, oh yeah, we're going to sweep them. But because they are, I'm going to give them a game or two. So Let's go on the low end. Dallas Cowboys come out of their division. They're 4-2 and two in their division. Let me take a swig of my water. They're 4-2 and two coming out of their division. Okay? You go up against the NFC North. Not the NFC North. I can't. I, I don't know why I keep saying the NFC North. NFC West. AFC North. That's why. Minnesota, Atlanta. Okay, Minnesota and Atlanta are two easy wins. Boom, boom. Straight out the gate. We're done. Wipe our hands clean. Atlanta doesn't have anybody that I'm worried about. So does the uh, the Minnesota Vikings. The only reason why, and I watched that game closely, um, the, the highlights for it. I, I haven't seen the full game of Minnesota versus Dallas. In fact, let me just switch over to the NFL Network so I can get kind of the highlights of it. I mean, it's, it's not going to come on for another 50-plus minutes. But the whole concept behind that game, the reason why they won it or lost it was because the coaching staff was like, you know what, let's try and get Zeke involved in the fourth quarter when Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys were driving, when they were doing an, a, a great job at, um, at driving the football up and down the football field and scoring points. The defense was horrendous. You know, I may not even watch that football game on the podcast because, to be honest with you, I, like I'm going to be cur- – like I, I know how it's going to end. I know I'm going to be cursing. I know I don't like I don't want to freaking get mad for no reason whatsoever. I'm like I, and that game would just make me mad if I had to watch it on the podcast. However, when I was watching that football game, it was it was all Prescott all day, all the time. That goes out to every single Minnesota fan that's like, "We beat the Dallas Cowboys last year." No, you didn't. Jason Garrett did. He should have he should have freaking been in that god awful purple and yellow that the Minnesota Vikings suit up in. Put him in that. Take the star off. Take the metallic silver and blue off him. Put it, he should have. He should have signed with the Minnesota Vikings. Because boy, did he help them win a football game last year. So I think Atlanta. Long story short, I think we're going to beat Atlanta. I think we're going to beat Minnesota. Boom, boom. Those are two games. Now you got to win four games out of the next eight. Technically, there's no. There, I was about to say there's 17 games. All right, nope. There's um there's only 16. All right, so now 
we are six and two. All right. So there's eight more games in two different divisions, two hard divisions. Steelers, Baltimore, Bengals, and then Browns. And then NFC West, finally said it right this time. Seahawks, 49ers, Cardinals, and then Rams. Let's take it division by division. I think Baltimore is probably going to be our hardest our hardest game in that division, potentially the Browns as well, because I think they're probably the most loaded team outside of Baltimore. I think this, the, the Bengals, easy dub, easy win. Same thing goes with the Steelers, because like, they, they've lost all of their great pieces. And yeah, you're going to have Ben Roethlisberger coming back, but he doesn't have Antonio Brown as much of a pain in the arse as Antonio Brown is. He does not have Le'Veon Bell. I don't even think he has his Hall of Fame center anymore. Marquise Pouncey, because I think he retired this offseason. Somebody did. One of their Hall of Famers. Retired. He's gone. So Ben is now supposed to operate and play better with less weapons, a worse offensive line, and a defense that has gotten better in the secondary with Minka Fitzpatrick. I'll give you that. But not much else. There's not a whole lot else. Right now, I think Dallas has a strong chance of going 2-2, 3-1 in that division. Obviously, losing maybe even 4-0, to be honest with you. But again, I like I like being conservative. I like giving up games and things of that nature. You know, an, a conservative estimate, so that way you can see where I'm coming from. But I like Dallas against that division. I think 2-2, 3-1, potentially 4-1. 4-0, excuse me. I feel like we're going to lose a game to that division. Maybe two games. And I'll be happy. Because Dallas, then, let's let's take the conservative estimate. 2-2. Two, two. I'm leaning more towards 3-1, but I'll, I'll, I'll take the under. 2-2. Two, two. Okay, now we go from 6-2 and two to now 8-4. Okay. Now you got four more games in a hard division. Everybody keeps on saying this is the hardest division in all of football. And you know what I say to those people? I say we have some pretty favorable matchups against the hardest division in all of football. Let me tell you something. Looking at Dallas's schedule right now, here are the home and away games against the NFC West. Arizona and San Francisco are going to be home. The two hard games, LA and Seattle, they're going to be away. Not the two hard games, but two of the harder games are going to be away. But I like going up against the number one team in that division in the 49ers in Arlington. That's probably going to be a Sunday night football game, Super Bowl. Uh, the new Super Bowl champion, or not the new Super Bowl champion, but the, you know, the, the team that went to the NFC championship and went to the Super Bowl against the team that everybody at that point, if it's a midseason game, people are going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys, potentially going to the NFC championship game, potentially the Super Bowl. But that's a, that, that could happen. Not happen. That probably will happen. If it's if San Francisco versus Dallas, they're probably going to get that on Sunday, Sunday night, maybe Monday night, maybe Thursday night. That is a prime time game, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, and you know what? I'll take a. I'll guess which games are going to be prime time after I'll give you my final record. We're at eight and four, by the way. And if you've been keeping count of the games that I think the Dallas Cowboys will win, eight and four, before they obviously play up against the NFC West. But then you look at the 49ers and the Cardinals. They're, built, they're both being played in Dallas. 
I like Kyler Murray. I like the Cardinals a lot more than other people like him. I don't like the 49ers. But both those two games, and I think Kyler Murray is going to put on a show in his home state, in that stadium that he used to play in in high school, the AT&T Stadium, but he's going to go up against the Dallas Cowboys, a team that he probably wished he was playing for. But Kyler, he's going to be there. Dak Prescott, he's going to be there. I'll talk about Dak here in a second. Point is, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a very, very interesting two games in Arlington. Against, not Atlanta, Arizona and the 49ers. I think Dallas takes those two games. I think they take both of them. Arizona versus the 49ers. So now we go from 8 and 4 to now 10 and 4. Two more games left on the schedule. What was the over under? Remember, I said 10 and 6. Here's a curveball for you. Seattle versus Seattle, excuse me, and the Rams. Rams are pretty much a second home game now. And here's the thing. If the Dallas Cowboys, and it all, we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more tomorrow. If the Dallas Cowboys, if they go in, and this is a midseason game, the LA Rams game, and it's on primetime, and if it's on Sunday night, expect a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans to be there. Because what I think is going to happen and I'll get into this more, um, the statistics of it a lot more in depth later on. But what I think is going to happen is the offense is going to be one of the best in the league. The defense is going to be a lot better. They're going to get some turnovers. Uh, Dallas is going to have a really, really nice season next uh, next year. Like Dallas is going to be that it team that you want to watch if you're in L.A. And then on top of that, a lot of L.A. Cowboy fans are going to come out and they're going to represent if that's a midseason or a late season type of football game. Seattle, on the other hand, great matchup against Dallas, especially in Seattle. Really, it depends on the weather. If it's raining and pouring like it does all the time in Oregon, we got an issue, we got a problem. However, clear skies. Maybe not clear skies because it's always gloomy and it's it's like England, you know. It's like living in England. It's like it's always like dark outside. But if it's like if it's nice weather for throwing, oh yeah, Dallas is going to take that football game. They're going to take it in spades. Final record for the Dallas Cowboys, at least that I have. Keep in mind, I gave two games to the NFC, to the NFCs. I gave two games to the NF, to the AFC North. There it is again. I said potentially three and one because I think we'll beat the Rams. I should have said that. I think we can beat the Seahawks. So that's like 12 and four right there, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm even just going to kind of, and this is kind of what I did last year. I did it again. I was like, man, I feel like Dallas can go 12 and 4, 11 and 5, but curveball. No, I, I wanted to give Jason Garrett room to breathe. I wanted to give him some slack because I thought that they were playing a pretty favorable schedule. Turns out Jason Garrett is worse, uh, is 
an even worse head coach than I possibly thought because I was like, easiest schedule, we should make the playoffs. Easiest schedule, and we did not make the playoffs. I have better and higher expectations for Mike McCarthy. But I'll still lowball him. I'll shortchange him on this. Just like how I shortchanged Jason Garrett, and I'll dare him to do better than I originally thought. I predicted right here, right now, 12 and 4. You got that. That's easy money. But what I'll do is I'll just throw in some wild cards. I'll throw in some games that I, like maybe maybe the NFC takes a couple more games. Maybe the NFC West takes some games here and there. Maybe my, Minnesota or, or freaking, who else do we play up against? Atlanta, maybe they take a game. Maybe those two teams take games. I don't know. They haven't played those games. It's just what I think. But I'll throw some wild cards, some unforeseen events instead of them being 12 and 4, 10 and 6. It happens. Sometimes your offense plays a bad game, sometimes your defense plays a horrendous game, and as a matter of fact, Dallas's defense played a horrendous game constantly, horrendous games. Wouldn't be that surprising if Dallas's defense uh, you know, laid an egg against a team that they were supposed to dominate, i.e. Detroit. as I am about to snuff out my flame for the candle. But, you know, it's, you know there, there's still a lot of time left. You know, there's still some free agents out there like Everson Griffin. Um, what's his face? Jadavion Clowney. Those two guys are still out there. I'll talk about them as free agents when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys here in a couple seconds. But I do think that the Dallas Cowboys, they got a pretty good show. Like, like the NFC East had a bad year last year. It just did. I know that everybody's like, look at Carson Wentz, and he beat a bunch of teams without head coaches at the end of the season. He beat teams without coaches, pretty much. Look at him. He's a great quarterback. It's like, no, he's not. Let's see him do that again against players that are actually in teams that are actually going to be capable of stopping him instead of having injuries and dysfunction at the coaching staff. And Let's see. Let's see it again. It's not about doing it one time. It's about doing it consistently. It's about being consistent. Instead of just being like, oh, yeah, you know, he just, no, they just got one or two guys and things of that nature. By the way, looking at pro football focuses, and this is why I despise pro football focus, uh, pro football focus, they're listing off the most improved teams since the offseason, they're naming Miami one of those teams. I'm like, they're not making the playoffs more than likely. You do understand that, right? And the Cardinals. I can agree with that. They got D-Hop and they got Isaiah Simmons. Dallas wasn't on that list, by the way. Anyways, going back to the schedule and some of the free agents that Dallas can go after. Yes, 10-6 and six, threw in some wild card games. I think Mike McCarthy can easily handle 10-6 and six against this division with this football team. And I, and I think a lot of people said this, that Dallas was a, a coach's you know, dream to coach in because a lot of talent, a lot of great players, a lot of coachable guys, Demarcus Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, things of that nature, guys that want to be coached, that don't mind changing things up to be coached. Like, 
It's a coach's dream, man. And Jason Garrett, a head coach, screwed it up. So now, going into this season, by the way, what's his face? Um, Mike McCarthy has easily coached in a better division. Not in a better division, but in a, I don't want to say a harder division. I don't think that's the right term. I think Minnesota has had more talent than most of the other teams in the NFC, in the NFC East, but I think also that the Packers have been very dysfunctional in some ways. But, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. Anyways, let, let's move on. Some of the free agents that Dallas can pick up. Um, why haven't they picked up another free agent, edge rusher in Jadavian Clowney or Everson Griffin? Probably because Alden Smith, Randy Gregory are more than likely coming back. I don't feel like Dallas is feeling threatened right now. Like they're, they're like I don't th- feel like they think that they need to go out and get players. I think it's more along the lines that they'll just wait it out and be like, you know what, we'll just we'll just be calm and chill. Why do we need to? Why, you know, why do we need to do anything? We got Bradley and I. He could potentially be a starter for us next year. We got these two guys that are coming back from um, from reinstatement. Apparently, Alden Smith is a monster now. And you got Randy Gregory. It's like if those two guys can give 10 sacks combined, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that completely. Entirely. Especially if it's like, Alden Smith now is kind of, you know, the backup for DeMarcus or he's the backup for, you know, Randy Gregory. It's like, you know, you you have four guys, maybe five guys on the defensive end rotation, including Tyrone Crawford, potentially, you know, because Tyrone Crawford, he can play inside, he can play outside. There you go. So now he gets his rest and then you can, you can do a whole lot of stuff with the roster at that point if Tyrone Crawford is is involved in that in that aspect. <clears throat> but Jadavian Clowney, Everson Griffin, they are there. I read uh, a short little snippet about Everson, not Everson, Jadavian Clowney, and apparently how you know the, he's. When, when the price is right, he's ready to play. Price is not right in Dallas, he ain't ready to play. Now, if Dallas signs Jadavion Clowney, I would be a little bit worried. I'm like, where's Dak's money? You're going to have to go into the red to get Dak Prescott his money. More on Dak Prescott in the contract situation later on. But let's say they do get a Jadavion Clowney. What would be a price that I would have for him? Let's check Dallas' salary cap. All of this is coming from salary cap or over the cap.com as I turn my my keyboard back on my Bluetooth keyboard. I love how Google was like, do you want to go to over the cap? I, I typed in over the cap into Google search engine and they were like, based on your search results, do you want to be do you want over the cap cowboys? I'm like, Google knows me so well. So their cap space right now is not because they have Dak Prescott on the um, on the salary cap for thirty one million. Not for uh, not salary cap. Excuse me. Uh, what was it called? 
Frick. Not salary cap. Um, oh, my God. I'm drawing a blank here. Sorry. Oh, my God. I apologize. Uh, for the, uh, what's it called? For the franchise tag, they have him for $31.5 million. So if you're wondering, it's like, man, where did all of our cap go? Because you paid Dak Prescott. Now, check this out. Right now, the team's available cap space is $9.6 million. And keep in mind, Dallas, they still have to pay Travis Frederick because Travis Frederick, guess what? You signed him for a long-term contract. Even though he retired, he still is owed that money. Next year's cap hit, he's still going to be about $11 million. By the way, interesting thing about Travis Frederick, maybe he needs a year. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he pulls the Jason Witten and is like, the competition is fierce. I want to join back once again. Maybe he comes back midseason. Maybe he regains his strength. I don't know. Maybe he comes in and he coaches. I don't know. Like, he was apparently integral for the Cowboys as an all... I would love to have Travis Frederick as as an assistant offensive line coach. You don't have to, like, freaking shove a dude in to a, to a coaching role immediately. But, I mean, obviously, Mike, Mike McCarthy would have to sign off on that. It's like, yes, I would love it if he was here. But he looks like he, he signed... Wow. Until 2023 or 2024. So for for the next four years, guess what? Going to have to be writing checks to Travis Frederick. By the way, do not mind that at all. He deserves it. However, you have $9 million against the cap this year. Now, this is essentially what the Dallas Cowboys are arguing over. Years and money. So Dak Prescott's cap hit... So like $31 million, it's probably going to go up to 33 It's going to be recalculated and readjusted. $31, $33 million annually. You have $9 million. The difference is literally 4 Maybe 2 Right now it's 4 It could potentially be $2 million in available cap space. And check this out. Here's what you can do. If you want to, you can go in, and I don't know how this is going to work with Travis Frederick. You can maybe say, hey, Travis, uh, do you mind extending out your contract, you know, your reti- like the money that we would give you over the next couple of years? Do you mind, like, extending that, you know, if, if you're going to stay retired, just, you know, five, six, seven years instead of for the next four years, you could get it over five, six, seven years. It's like, do you really need $11 million over the next couple of years? Help us out with our cap, why? With our cap, with our cap, excuse me. So now you go from essentially so let's subtract let's go for the high end 31 million is Dak's current number you're looking for 35 million let's subtract 4 million from 9.5 so now you have 4.5 million dollars but you're going to gain back 5 million because of your renegotiations with Travis Frederick right So then you can go to tra- to Tyrone Crawford Tyrone Crawford his cap hit is 9 million Ezekiel its cap hit it's $10 million. Hey, Tyrone, take a pay cut. You know what he's going to say? All right. So Tyrone Crawford, he's going to take a pay cut probably if they want to renegotiate the cap. I think he's, he's signed for this year, maybe not next year. Actually, why am I guessing? And just pull it up. Where's Tyrone Crawford? Yeah, he's a free agent next year. 
So guess what? You can be like, hey, can you work with us? Can you come down a little bit like Sean Lee did? Can you take less money? Tyrone Crawford, do you want to know what he's going to say? Yeah. How much do you need, Jerry? Jerry's going to say uh, about 2 to $3 million annually. Right? That's what he's probably going to say. So you got that done. Okay. You're going to get back 2 to $3 million, So now you're up $11, 12000000 Okay? Then you look at some of these other players. Okay, you got Gerald McCoy for $4 million. You got HaHa Clinton Dix for a year for $4 million. You got Blake Jarlin for $3 million. And then on and on and on and on and on, right? You can look at some of these contracts and you can get like four, five, six million back easily. But the reality is, and here's kind of the, oh my God, this is this is so ridiculous. This is so surprising. What a what a surprise. Dallas Cowboys have a lot of freaking good players. They have Demarcus Lawrence. They have Zach Martin. They have Tyrone Smith. They have Amari Cooper. They had uh, Travis Frederick. They have Ezekiel Elliott. They have Dak Prescott. All pro bowlers. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And they also have Jalen Smith. Eight, nine, including Lael Collins and Sean Lee. Ten pro bowlers on their freaking football team. And Leighton Vanderesh, who's on his rookie contract, ladies and gentlemen. You got a lot of good football players. So, long story short, there are ways to pay Dak Prescott. You can renegotiate with other players and get money back. You can even renegotiate with with some of your current offensive linemen, right? And get more money back. And check this out. If you're if you have Demarcus Lawrence and if he starts to have a bad season again for the last two years, you can be, hey, D Law, gonna need to take some money back. Right? Gonna re- I'm gonna I'm, we need to renegotiate, you know. His cap hit right now is twenty one million. I don't think he's worth twenty one million. I don't care how many times he's double teamed. What's JJ Watts cap hit? It better not be $21 million. This is the GM version of 24, by the way. J.J. Watt's cap hit is $15 million. What about Khalil Mack? This is for all the people, by the way, who was like, yeah, you know, Demarcus Lawrence had a bad season last year, but he was getting double teamed and things of that nature. These are guys that got way more production out of, uh, out of their pass rush, and they were getting double teamed comparatively to Demarcus Lawrence. Khalil Mack is being significantly... Um, Paid. He's getting he's getting paid a lot of money, twenty six million. Who else is um, Chris Jones out of Kansas? Probably one of the best interior defensive pass rushers in the league. We'll look at Aaron Donald and the other guys as well. I think he's franchise tagged, so he's he's making sixteen million. Yeah, he's tagged. And then LAC, Mark Ingram, not Mel- Mark, Melvin Ingram, he's making $16 million. Joey Bosa, I think he's franchise tagged. He's, uh, he's going to get $14 million. Both are great football players. We go to the Rams, Aaron Donald, $25 million. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Now, Going back to Dallas. Point is, you can negotiate. There's ways to do this. Does Dallas only have $10 million in cap space? Yeah, 
But that's because they have a bunch of good football players. Here's the kicker. And once again, you can um, you can renegotiate some of these contracts. Here's the kicker about Dak Prescott. Because the success of the Dallas Cowboys next season rests solely on the ability of Stephen Jones and Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys coming to a deal. So a lot of people have been making, in my opinion, much ado about nothing about the Andy Dalton signing. A lot of people are like, well, this is to... Off, not offset, but this is to create leverage over Dak Prescott. We got Andy Dalton. What are you going to do about it? Blah, blah, blah. Here's a quote from Stephen Jones, who pretty much runs the show GM-wise um, for the Dallas Cowboys. Excuse me. Dak is the quarterback of our franchise now and for many years to come. We've got to get his contract. We've got to get over that hurdle, but we'll do it. It'll ultimately get done. That was today. Wednesday, what's today? The 6th of May. They got two months to get it done. I think it's going to go down to the wire. But I think they'll either get it done or Dak Prescott will play under the franchise tag. As much as people want to say he's going to hold out, and as much as people are, again, making much ado about nothing when it comes to voluntary workouts, when players already have people that... It's not that players aren't working out. First, let me get that straight away. It's not like players aren't working out when it comes to voluntary workouts. Players are working with their own people. And some people are like, well, they should be working out with the team, 24. Well, guess what? The team doesn't focus specifically on their skill set, which is why they go out and they work with specialists. So that way they can spend as much... Like, like I feel like people don't understand the offseason for players, right? So pretty much what happens is they may... They'll probably, what they'll do for a month to two months is rest their body after the season is over. So if you're a team like like the Dallas Cowboys who didn't make the playoffs, after you miss the playoffs, especially if you're hurt like Dak Prescott, you're going to have off-season surgeries, you're going to have um, physical therapy, you're going to rest your body, probably not even, it's going to sound weird to people, but you're probably not really going to lift a lot of weights and and strain your body because your body has been strained for like the past five to six, maybe seven months because we're not just talking about, Oh, okay. You know, they've been playing football from September to December, technically mid July, August to December. It's like may in some cases, February because Dak Prescott, again, he usually goes to voluntary, um, to voluntary workouts. He didn't this year, virtual, Voluntary workout or voluntary offseason. I don't know what it's called. Long story short, your body has been strained for like seven months. So it's like you take a month to two months off. March is starting, is kind of when you start to get back into the facility. You start working out again. You meet your teammates, things of that nature. You're still working with your specialists here and there. In fact, you probably did some offseason work with your specialists maybe on those two months, but you're not really stressing your body. You're, learning, you're kind of refining and improving your mechanics. You go back March, maybe April at the latest, really, and you're going back and you're getting back into shape. Then around the summertime, you'll get a month off. I think it's like from mid-June to mid-July is that month off. But for the most part, you're doing some training activities and some things like OTAs and things of that nature, May, June-ish. And then July, like 
August training camp and then preseason and then season. But it's a long path from, you know, the last season to from the end of the season this year to the beginning of the season. Not the end of the season la- uh, this year, but the end of the season last year to the beginning of the season this year. And it's like dudes are resting their bodies. Now, what Dallas can do, especially for Dak, excuse me, for Dak's contract, is they can do a lot of stuff. And I think even though Dak Prescott, weirdly enough, his character is being called into question, which I think is absolutely ridiculous, he can and he will be there for trading camp. I guarantee it. Stephen Jones has said it constantly. His butt will be there. We will get it done. Jerry Jones has said we will get it done. They're going to take it all the way down to the wire, but they will get it done. And I keep saying this. I keep saying this for many reasons. I keep saying, if they wanted a quarterback, there were significantly better options than Andy Dalton. Significantly better options than Andy Dalton. The reason that they got Andy Dalton, and I'll say it again, backup quarterback-wise. You can win a, a Super Bowl with a backup. Probably can't win a whole bunch of regular season games with a backup. But you can win a Super Bowl. Like, they saw what happened at Bridgewater and Breeze. Like, you can win some games with a backup as long as the backup doesn't turn the ball over. That's why they went out and got Andy Dalton. However, when I look at the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott's contract, and I'm kind of done talking about salary and stuff like that, I think Dak Prescott is the dude to get the deal done. Not his contract, but the Dallas Cowboys going to the NFC Championship game. Ladies and gentlemen, I love I love reading Dak Prescott stats for you. I love it. 65% completion percentage, 4,902 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. 99.7 pass rating, almost over 100. Easily his best season in his entire NFL career. Almost an MVP, by the way. I don't think Dallas has had an MVP in like 20-something years. He was strong consideration. Really needed to win some more football games. I think Dak Prescott could be next year's MVP. I said it, and I'll say it again. I think Dak Prescott could be next year's MVP. I'll give you some reasons why. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll look up some of these dudes' stats here. Let me do it for you. Boom. 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 Get this guy's numbers. I wish ESPN had all of his like his career numbers because I like their website when I whenever I like look up like statistical numbers. But like man, I do not like his numbers. Not his numbers, but I don't like how they display 
a certain player's numbers that I'm looking up. And then this guy. Okay. So, looked up a bunch of different football players. Looked up a bunch of different dudes, right? A lot of different guys. Specifically, the guys that are going to be in Dak Prescott's wide receiving core. I looked up Blake Jarwin, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. I even went up, where is he? Where is Randall Cobb's numbers? Thank you very much. Looked up Randall Cobb's numbers. Also got Michael Thomas's numbers as well. So how does this correlate with Dak Prescott? Let's look at some of these receivers' numbers, and let's kind of break it down for you like this. So Randall Cobb, one year with the Dallas Cowboys, he's going to play another year, maybe two, three years with the Texans. Now, Randall Cobb, loved Randall Cobb, saw him destroy Minnesota, probably his best game. But when you look at Randall Cobb, his numbers throughout his career, and keep in mind, he played literally every single season besides one with Aaron Rodgers. You look at his numbers, his season with Dak Prescott was probably one of his best. Maybe his second best. Definitely not his best because he had one season where he had uh, 91 catches, 1,200 yards, and 12 touchdowns. That, that That's not even close to what he had when he was in Dallas. However... Still had a fantastic year in Dallas. I'm trying to look up all of his... Yep. That doesn't count because he only had 25 receptions. I'm trying to look at his numbers. Bang, that'll fly. Yards. Bang, that will fly. That'll fly. Yep, yep. Randall Cobb, his second best season was with Dak Prescott. Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback for nine years. Nine, eight years. Second best season, Dak Prescott. Keep in mind, Randall Cobb was the third option on the football team. Randall Cobb was the um, was the was the slot guy, the odd man out. Worked with Dak Prescott for a full off season. Smart veteran. I really, really like Randall Cobb. Very, very um, cerebral player. Great player. I love me some Randall Cobb. I already miss him already. I was watching Minnesota. I was like, I miss Randall Cobb. But yes, Randall Cobb. He's a great player. Great veteran. Had injury concerns over the last couple of years. Weirdly enough, it's like, it's surprising when, you know, people, they go away from their old, old organizations. They come to Dallas. Their injury concerns, their injury problems are gone. Greatest facilities on the planet. Greatest doctors. Healthcare. I mean, we're giving, every, we're, like, Dallas is a great place to play. People want to shit on Dallas all day long. People want to troll Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, and put on the lowlights of the Dallas Cowboys instead of the highlights. But everybody, you know, I, we're, we have some of the best facilities. 24, 24. What's, what was his greatest season with Dallas? What were his numbers? 55 receptions, 828 yards. This is the big one. 15.5 yards per catch, three touchdowns. That may not seem like a lot when you when you only look at the touchdowns. But then you also look at all of his other seasons as well. You look at some of the other seasons, right? The uh, in, in most of his seasons where he's averaging about four touchdowns a season. Like four point five, maybe. If I let, let's do it right now. He has forty four touchdowns. Let's do the average. How much is he averaging over like a nine, eight-year career? Hold on. 
from 2011 to 2019, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Nine years. That's like 4.8. So it's averaging like five touchdowns a season. Keep in mind, by the way, for Dallas, Randall Cobb had a lot of drops. I think he was the team leader in drop passes for some weird reason. Most drops on the team pretty much. Still almost had his career year when it came to touchdowns. A career year when it came to touchdowns. Also, had a career year when it came to yards. I think he had his second most yards, third most yards, fourth most yards out of his entire career. But the thing about it is, and this is this is why I was like, this is his second best season. He only had 55 receptions, which is one of his lowest. It's like his fourth lowest amount of receptions. Like he had the 2018 season where he had 38 receptions. That was um, a year that he was hurt. And then he had some of his other years where he wasn't really a, 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 um, a big factor in the passing game, like in 2013 with 31, 2011 with 25. Like that was his rookie year. For the most part, he's going to catch anywhere between 30 to 60, 70 balls, essentially. But when, you, but when he goes to Dallas, and this is why I mentioned the 15.1 um, yards per catch, you look at that and you're like, whoa, hold on a minute. 828 yards. He has another season where he had 829 yards, but almost 30 more receptions in 2015. 30 more. Count him up. 30 more. He also had six touchdowns. Why am I bringing all this up? Why am I talking about his numbers with the Dallas Cowboys? Again, 55 receptions, 828 yards, 15.1 yards per catch, three touchdowns. Why am I bringing all this stuff up? Well, because I think he could have been better. And I also think the reason why he was so much better in Dallas than he was in Green Bay, A, because of the medical facilities in Dallas, I think they take good care of their players. And also, B, I think Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott values the slot not just you know the position on the football field but the slot receiver a lot more than the old regime of Dallas Cowboy coaches uh, valued it and I, and I think a lot of other players and teams value it it's it's very very weird it's like whenever I watch the Patriots and Tom Brady play he get it, like he he essentially turns a nickel into a dime you know he doubles the value of it like, Randall Cobb may have come in and had, like, a good season with 400, maybe 500 yards. Gets 803 touchdowns. Really probably could have had six or seven if he didn't drop so many passes and the offense didn't have so many penalties. Not even being facetious or joking about that. That's the reality of the situation. Dak turned a nickel into a dime. Doubled it. Almost tripled the value of a Randall Cobb. By himself. Because he values that position. He valued the Cole Beasley position. Let me look up his numbers as well. Okay. Cole Beasley, some of his best seasons with Dak Prescott. Now, keep in mind, up until the 2016 season, like, you know what? Let's just look at the the 2014 season, right? 37 receptions, 420 yards, 
four touchdowns. That was the 2014 season. Remember that season? DeMarco Murray, Tony Romo, Jason Witten, 420 yards. Does he sound like a high-paid receiver to you? 420, a lot of touchdowns, four touchdowns. Third year in the league. Third year. 420, four touchdowns, 37 receptions. Does that sound like a number two guy? Sounds like a number three guy, doesn't it? Watch what happens when Dak Prescott comes into the league. 75 receptions, this is his first year. 75 receptions, 833 yards, five touchdowns. And you can't even tell me, well, 24, 24. Dallas was a running team. Dallas was a running team from 2014 until this year. You can't tell me, oh, okay, you know, Tony was Tony was lobbing it up to Des. Tony was, Dak was lobbing it up to Des. Dak didn't have Des for portions of the, of the season. Guess who was open? Cole Beasley. Now, it's funny how a lot of people are like, Dak Prescott, he does, he's not very accurate, which is why he has to have his receivers be open. Dak Prescott had the lowest yards of separation from 2017 to 2018. Like, his dudes were not getting open. There are passes where Dak Prescott had to throw the football with less than a yard of separation. Some cases, like... 0.5 yards of separation. Dudes were on his receivers tight. So when Cole Beasley goes to Dallas, Cole Beasley gets a shot. Not Cole Beasley. Dak Prescott goes to D- Dallas. Cole Beasley makes his numbers be great. Would you look at this? Mm. Dak Prescott and company. Cole Beasley, of course. Absolutely monster years. Except for 2017, where teams started to double his ass up. And then his final year with Dallas. Really, Dallas's wide receiving court was a mess until Amari Cooper got there. 65 receptions, 672 yards, three touchdowns. Not as good as his 2016 year. But you started to notice... Wait, Dak Prescott, he affected the slot position very, very well. Did a lot to put to, to give Cole Beasley a shot. When he went to Buffalo, his numbers did better. 67 receptions, 770. This is the, after the 2018 season, of course. Six, uh, 67 receptions, 778 yards, 6 touchdowns, 11.6 yards per catch. Better than every season he's had, pretty much. Except yard-wise. more catches wasn't as high as catches but I like that season that Cole put together but absolutely Dak Prescott changed Cole Beasley's life in Dallas made him an absolute star nobody wants to admit that but yeah that's what happened look at his numbers before and after Dak Prescott obviously the the Buffalo Bills he had a pretty good season with them but look at his numbers. Look at him. I'm looking at him right now. His numbers before Tony, before Dak Prescott, 128, rookie year, 368, 425, 36, then bang, 833. Five touchdowns, by the way. And Dak was wheeling and dealing, ladies and gentlemen. Because again, Dak Prescott, he values the slot 
position. He values the he values the slot receiver. Same thing goes with Randall Cobb. 828 yards. One of his best overall seasons statistically. Probably his second best. Because of Dak Prescott. What the hell does all this have to do with Dak Prescott? I said it once, I'll say it again. He values the slot position. The Dallas Cowboys old coaching regime did not. And do you want to guess who's going to be lined up in the slot, ladies and gentlemen? Amari Cooper. C.D. Lamb. And Michael Gallup. Maybe not Michael, but... Amari and CD. I was looking at Michael Thomas's numbers today as well. Michael Thomas, pretty much a slot receiver. And you know, there's, I forgot who said this. It was somebody smart who said this. He said, the good quarterbacks, the best ones, they, they value the slot receiver. Michael Thomas has been playing in the NFL for the last four years. Played college at Ohio State. Mike Thomas from 2016, 2019, 1,137 yards, 1,245 yards, 1,405 yards, 1,725 yards. Every single year, yards go up. 24, talk about his receptions. I'll talk about his receptions. 92, 104, 125, 149. Receptions, gone up. Touchdowns, pretty much stayed the same. 9, 5, 9, 9. Right, pretty solid numbers overall. You'll take those numbers. He's a slicer and dicer. He's the type of dude that's going to pu- uh, push the ball in between the to- in the in between the twenties. Excuse me, maybe not finish off the drive in the red zone, but he's the guy that's going to move the football. He primarily works in the slot because it's kind of hard to put your number one corner in the slot. Because most corners, most number one corners, they don't play in the slot. They play on the outside. So you either are going to have to have a dude that feels awkward and is awkward in the slot or somebody who's going to be the nickel, which is like the third corner in the slot playing up against the number one wide receiver in Michael Thomas. That's a mismatch every single time. And something interesting about Michael Thomas's numbers, 92 receptions, 1,137 yards, Nine touchdowns in his rookie year. His rookie year played primarily in the slot. Mm-mm-mm. Now, keep in mind, C.D. Lamb is going to get some chances in the slot. Amari Cooper is going to have some chances in the slot. Let's take a look at those guys' numbers. Amari Cooper. Keep in mind, this is why he is hurt, by the way. Because everybody was like, Amari Cooper quit, Amari Cooper quit, Amari Cooper quit. No, he did not quit. He had an injury, a pre-existing injury that he got in training camp. Amari Cooper got injured. Not Amari Cooper got injured. Amari Cooper gave up. Amari Cooper quit. He's a quitter. Amari Cooper. No, he's not. He got hurt. Let's be honest. He got hurt. His production. 79 receptions, 1,189 yards, 15.1 yards per catch, 53 was his longest catch, 53 yards, obviously, 8 touchdowns. 
Since coming to Dallas, he had 53 receptions last year or two years ago in 2018, 725 yards, 13.7 yards, six touchdowns. He was hurt last season, and it shows. Now, next year, technically this year, he's not going to be hurt. Actually, I'm going to knock on wood for that. He may get hurt. Knock on wood again. You never know. But this year, he's not going to have the same injury, of course. That's what I, that's what I meant. He's not going to have the same pre-existing injury that he gets in training camp. He, he's, it's been reported multiple times that that injury that he had at the beginning of the season, technically it was during the preseason, technically I think it was even during training camp, it was as early as training camp, He's like, that injury that I had was easily the worst injury I've ever had in my entire career. I was in the most pain I've ever been in in my entire career. And you could see it. As much as people want to say he pulled himself out of the game, as much as people want to say that he quit, that is a lie. Or that is just people who don't know what's going on talking out of their behind. I'm nice today. I want to be nice today. So I'm like, I'm going to try not to curse as much. Mari Cooper was hurt. He had a pretty good year last year. He's going to be playing in the slot. He's going to slice up dudes in the slot. Then you got Michael Gallup, 1,107 yards, comparatively to, check this out, 507 yards in his rookie year. He absolutely exploded. Two touchdowns, 33 receptions in his first year. He doubles it again, Prescott, turning a nickel into a dime, 66 receptions, 1,107 yards, 16.8 receptions, not receptions, uh, uh, freaking yards per catch, I don't know why I'm tongue-tied, six touchdowns, he triples his touchdown efficiency, doubles his yards and receptions, slightly increases his yards per catch, makes Michael Gallup, a dude who was a third-round draft pick into a viable number-two option when Amari Cooper, of course, succumbs to his injuries. And then you have one C.D. Lamb. I'll say it how Gus Johnson says it. C.D. Lamb. C.D.T.D. C.D. Lamb. A lot of different ways Gus Johnson says C.D. Lamb's names. Name, excuse me. He's great at enunciation. Of course he is. He's an announcer. He's a broadcaster. Long story short, you see C.D. Lamb's production. You see his production. 870 yards. Set a rookie record for the Oklahoma Sooners for the best, not the best, but having the most yards for an Oklahoma Sooner. Freshman, by the way. His production goes up 65 receptions his second year, his sophomore year, 62 receptions his junior year, but he becomes more efficient. 1,158 yards in his sophomore year comparatively to the 1,300 yards in his junior year. Remember, less receptions in his junior year comparatively to his sophomore year. And he had 200 more yards. But then this is the real kicker. The 17.8 yards per carry, not carry, 
17.8 yards per catch comparatively to the 21.4 yards per catch. Apparently, Sadie Lamb went to the weight room in Oklahoma and started to lift some weights. That's how big he got. That's why he got so big. He started to lift weights. And he went from seven touchdowns his freshman year to 11 touchdowns his sophomore year to the big 14 in his junior year. And let me tell you something, audience members. Do I think that this dude's production is going to fall off? Hell no. When he goes from college to the pros, absolutely not. I think he's somewhere between 500 yards and 1,000 yards. I think he could have four to five touchdowns, maybe potentially over that. Six to seven. But then you also, because again, remember, a lot of people are like, this may be too much mouse to feed. It's maybe too many mouse to feed for Carson Wentz, but Dak Prescott, he cooks up a lot of fine dining and he cooks a big meal. He puts things, he, got, he, he can make barbecue chicken all day long, ladies and gentlemen. Blake Jarwin, 27, in the, in, by, by the way, Blake Jarwin, pretty sure he's a... Um, <clears throat> Undrafted free agent. Was he or was he not an undrafted free agent? Yep, undrafted free agent. Dallas Cowboys got him, stole him. Freshman year. Not freshman year, sophomore year. Not sophomore year, second year in the league. What am I talking about? Get your get get, get out of your own damn way, 24. What, what the fuck are you doing? Second year in the pros, 27 receptions, 307 yards, 30, uh, 39 was his long catch. He had 11.4 yards per catch, three touchdowns. But most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, about Blake Jarman was that he was a backup. I think he was second or third on the depth chart behind, um, what's his name? Swain, Jeff Swain, his second year. Swain got hurt. Blake Jarwin came in. They didn't go to Blake Jarwin. Jason Witten comes out of retirement. I'm thinking Blake Jarwin should be the number one starter. Number one tight end on the team. 31 receptions, 365 yards, 11.8 yards per catch, three touchdowns. Similar year. But I think he played better overall, not just as a blocker, but as a receiving tight end in his second year. Or third year, excuse me. And on top of that, I think he has a better capability for yards after the catch than Jason Witten had in his last year with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, after all of that, after talking about wide receivers and, you know, their numbers and their stats, and you may be a little, you're like 24. How is 24 going to put all this stuff together? What does all this stuff mean for the Dallas Cowboys? 24, I don't really care about yards. I don't really care about reception. 24, what does all this stuff mean? Break it down to me, 24. Don't worry, faithful viewer, I will. Let's talk about it. What does all this stuff mean? Why does it matter? What is all these numbers? What is all these yards? I said multiple times, Dak can turn a nickel into a dime. But he cannot turn the penny that was Jason Garrett into anything of value. Actually, he did. 13 and 3, 10 and 6 proves all you need to know about Dak's ability to compensate for Jason Garrett's inability to coach a football team. He turned a penny into a nickel. But a nickel is still a nickel. It ain't a dime piece. As I watch Brett the Fret Maher crank shot a 57-yard field goal instead of Jason bleeping Garrett punting that damn thing away. 
Put it away, Garrett! I'm screaming at my television. I'm like, that's a gimmick. What are you doing, Garrett? You don't go for a 60-yard field goal every single time because your kicker can freaking kick has a big leg. A lot of dudes in the league have a big leg, but guess what? They're inaccurate! Like Brett Maher. Screaming at my television. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing, Jawin? Or not Jawin, Garrett? Anyways. Long story short, Dak Prescott... He's going to find a way to get all these foot these uh, the these guys the football. And I was watching Minnesota. I was watching the Giants game. I think that style of offense, where you're going to be passing on first down, where you're going to be looking for guys on first down, you're going to be running hot routes. You're going to have specific guys that Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore are trying to get open on first down. I think that's going to be the play that the Dallas Cowboys open up with. I watched a lot of last season over the last couple of months. Every single time I look at some of these games, I'm like, man, like, it it looks like some of the coaching staff is having disagreements, specifically with Jason Garrett. Like, everybody forgets the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl. Everybody's like, man, like, I can't believe Russell Wilson threw an interception. What play call was that? The play call was, and Russell Wilson, he's going to follow the head coach. He's going to follow him, no matter what. The play call for the head coach, and specifically the quarterback, was, hey, I'm going to freaking, like, the play call was, I'm going to go give it across the middle to the wide receiver. And Russell Wilson, guess what? He's he's a teammate. He's a team member. He's going to, like, he's going to, he's going to freaking run the play that the play is called. He's going to give it to the wide receiver. He's not going to give it to Marshawn Lynch, even though it should have gone to Marshawn Lynch. Same thing goes with Dak Prescott. You know, a lot of people, they're like, you know, you, you got to be a quarterback. You got to be in command. You got to check out of that. And it's like people don't understand every person has a pro and a con. They're, it's not just black and white. It's not just, you know, you, you, get, you get all the good and none of the bad. That's not how life works. That's not how reality works. Reality is everybody, no matter how good they are, has something bad about them and the vice versa every somebody who has something bad about them also has something good about them as well you just have to look for it sometimes you, you look for a long time other times you look for a short while the bad thing about good quarterbacks in this league specifically coachable quarterbacks is that they will go along with the play call they won't they won't deviate from it they'll do it Sometimes they'll check out, sometimes they'll audible, but for the most part, if it's not a part of their style, they won't do it. They'll do what the coach says. The best quarterbacks do that unless you're Peyton Manning. He's doing Omaha's, he's doing Apple's. He's doing all these weird audibles because he's Peyton bleeping Manning. That's what he does. Tom Brady doesn't do that mess. He may he may call he may do kill kill, he may do alert, he may do Jordan Jordan. Audible. He's killing the play. He's killing the play or audibly. Long story short, certain quarterbacks have certain things that they like, certain preferences, certain things that they will do. Other quarterbacks don't. But every single one of them can be coached. And for the most part, most of the time, most quarterbacks are going to follow the coaching. The worst quarterbacks, they usually don't follow the coaching. 
and it's pretty obvious when they don't. The whole co- the whole point of having a coach is to have somebody who understands the game better than you do, while also at the same time can can compete on the same level as the other coaches. If that wasn't the theme, if that wasn't the like the concept of being a coach, why the bleep would would the Dallas Cowboys have a head coach? Why not have the players run practice? Why not have the players run the meetings? They kind of do, but like they shouldn't. It's like it's the coach's job to formulate a game plan and and to put that game plan into practice. Literally, put it into practice. Into the practices. It's not on the quarterbacks. It's not on the running backs. Long story short, ladies and gentlemen, it's not Dak Prescott's fault if if the team, if the head coach and the offensive coordinator call a bad play call and Dak's like, run it. Let's run it. There are times where Dak Prescott will check out of it. There's times where he definitely will, and I like it when Dak Prescott's like, I don't like what I see. Kill, kill. Or, hey, we're changing up the play. I don't know his audibles, but he changes up the play as well. He'll do that. However, however, do I think that there are other, maybe not other players, but other coaches? I don't even know what I was talking about. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I was talking about. I'm like, I'm like, wait, what was I talking I was talking about how bad the coaching was. I'm like, man, that, that got me for a loop. That got me for a loop talking about the coaching staff. I apologize for that. It's talking about the inefficiency of the coaching staff and how Dak Prescott can turn a penny into a dime or not a dime, a nickel. Sorry about that. Long story short, Dak Prescott does not need to compensate that much for the coaching staff this year. I think this year, here we go. Now I'm going back on track once again. I think this year Dak Prescott will have a coaching staff that understands um, like like what they need to do and I think is responsible with their play call and their selection and things of that nature and how they, they game plan for defenses and offenses. Instead of just being like, we're going to run the football with 2-1 and we're going to play physical. That's what we're going to do. We're going to run football with 2-1 we're going to play physical. It's like, nope, we're not going to do that because they're going to stop us from doing that. Like, do you have another game plan, please? Besides, we're going to run football too, we're going to play physical. Do you have another plan? No? That's the plan? That sucks. Long story short, ladies and gentlemen, with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, offensively, better coaching staff, better wide receiving core, quarterback that understands and will play, by the way, this year with a star, silver metal, uh, metallic silver and blue star on his helmet. He will be a Dallas Cowboy, Dak Prescott, just, uh, just in case if people were wanted to be facetious. Dak Prescott will play. Quarterback understands the position. Quarterback understands the players. Quarterback understands what he's got to do. Quarterback can turn a nickel into a dime. Quarterback can turn a penny into a dime. Not a dime, a nickel. But with all these pieces offensively, they got a big shot, ladies and gentlemen. They got a great offense. Then they got a quarter, not a quarterback, a head coach in Mike McCarthy 
who's got a ring already in Green Bay. You got to like that. I know I do. Real experience. Dominated his division. When the Green Bay Packers, organization-wise, a little bit dysfunctional, didn't really have big free agent signings. I think they lost one of their best, they, they lost Casey Hayward, one of the best corners in the league. They were like, we want to be cheap. We'll lose HaHa Clinton Dix, pretty good player. We'll lose players, lose players, still be fine. The sign of a good head coach is somebody who can lose players and still be fine. We just lost the number one quarter, uh, corner in the league. I predicted 10-6. and six. Minimum. Realistically, 12-4 and four may be it, but I'm going to go conservative. I'm going to be minimal. 10-6. Uh, and six. You look around the league. Who's done more in the offseason? And there still could be some more. Jadavian Clowney, Everson Griffin. We're playing the Vikings, his former team. Maybe he wants to take a pay cut. Come to Dallas. Come, come, come. Come to Dallas. Take a pay cut. We're going to have to shave some guys, shave some shave, shave some dudes off the top. Some people are like, you know what? Uh, the, the Cowboys, they may not be very good this year because I got a new head coach. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. You don't tell me what my team can and cannot be. I'll decide that for myself. My team will decide that for themselves. Ten and six minimum because of the offense, the offense, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not talking about the defense. Not talking about the special teams. Because of the what offense, they will be ten and six. If you put this team's offense, head coaching staff, not head coaching staff, but the staff, the the coaching staff, C.D. Lamb, last year on this offense, Blake Jarwin, number one tight end. Oh yeah, they're going to the playoffs easily. Easily, I might add. Still have a really, really doable schedule. Nice schedule for the Dallas Cowboys. Great players, offensively. I was watching specifically Blake Jarwin. Blake Jarwin's going to be the dark horse. He knows there's some mouths to feed and he's got to get his own. This dude, at the very least, after a catch, will give you five, six yards. He's good for it. He is deceivingly and disturbingly fast with the ball in his hand. And he will catch whatever needs to be caught. He'll do it. He'll be like, hey, you hey, like I'm, I'll just freaking I'll just freaking catch the football out of my hands. Ah, what? Out of my hands. In my hands. Because nobody else is open. I'll do it. I'll handle it. I'll make sure it's open. I just saw freaking Leighton Vanderess' stomach. He's got to do some crunches, man. <laughs> he he was injured. He was injured last year, but man, he he's got big arms. I'm looking at his stomach. Ugh, that did not look good for Leighton Vanderess when he jumped up. He's got a big gut. All right now. Like I want my linebackers to be big and strong. And fast and violent and athletic. You may need to get to work doing some of those crunches. 
Alright. Hopefully Leighton's okay. Anyways. Back to Blake Jarwin. <clears throat> Blake Jarwin could easily have one of the best years of his entire career next year. Um, he could have, he could be a red zone threat. He could be the dude that the Dallas Cowboys look for in the red zone along with CD lamb. I'm telling you, man, this wide receiving core, Dak Prescott had almost 5,000 yards last season. I think they're going to be a lot more efficient, meaning that they're going to have more yards per catch. And, um, I also like, I was, uh, I'm watching Minnesota right now and they're running that janky run first offense that doesn't work in the 21st century. Um, but when they insert a style of offense where you throw on first down and where you just don't run every single time on first down, guess what happens? You get guys open. Right now it's third and two. And it's like, well, what what did they do on first down? Probably run the dang on football. We'll see. But on third and two, they're probably going to pass it. In fact, it's going to be completed to Coop. Big Coop. I already see it. What happened on first down? Don't tell me they ran it on first down. Please don't tell me they ran it. Like, please tell me they threw it. This is Dallas's second drive of the football game against Minnesota, by the way. I'm watching Leighton Van Der Esch once again uh, go up and try to swat that ball. They're in the eye. Yep, they give it to Zeke. Zeke gains four yards. Good job by Zeke. Good run by him. Anyways. With Blake Jarwin, with CeeDee Lamb, with Amari Cooper, with Michael Gallup, with... Um, with all those dudes. And then I, I forgot to even to mention Tony Pollard and the offensive line that's trying to have a bounce back year with a new offensive uh, line coach. Um, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Lael Collins, the center and the left guard could have some competition. Tyler Biadaz, Remington Award winner. Uh, that's pretty much means you're, you're the best center in all of college football. Tyler Biadaz out of Wisconsin, probably a first rounder potentially. Maybe even a second round, or we stole him in the fourth round. You like that? I did my research on Tyler Biadas. Everybody's talking about him being a first rounder, potentially. Or a second rounder. Went all the way to the fourth. Went to the dudes that have the one of the best offensive lines in the league. Great job by the Dallas Cowboys picking up the Remington Award winner, Tyler Biadas. But then on top of that, they also have two other guys in Connor Williams. He's not necess- He's kind of the weak link right now, besides center. Connor Williams is the dude that everybody is kind of like, man, he's he's not like it's not that he's not very good, it's that he's he's the weak link. Connor Williams, he's got some issues now. He's got some trouble. He's got Connor McGovern, who was who was probably going to come in and be a, a, a someone who who he, we could compete with. He not we could, but who would be in competition for his position at left guard. And you have Tyler Biadas, and you have Joe Looney. If Tyler Biadas plays center and Joe Looney's the backup, or it's the vice versa, if Joe is the center and Tyler is the backup, then Connor McGovern will play left guard. He probably will be transitioned to left guard. And Connor McGovern can play center. Like, we technically have three dudes on the roster right now that can play center. I'm not worried about the position. A lot of people are like, Dallas needs a center. We have three centers on the roster. What are you talking about? Dallas needs a center. Like Travis, I get it. Travis Frederick retired. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for whatever he does. I'm not happy that he retired. I'm happy for whatever he does because he deserves it. He deserves happiness. He gave everything to the game. So when he goes off in the sunset and he goes off in the distance and he does whatever he does, I think he's an engineer, so maybe he's going to be building rockets, building high-tech computer software. I don't know. 
whatever he's going to do, I'm happy for him. He came here. He had a Hall of Fame career here. He played his butt off. I loved everything that he did for the Dallas Cowboys. Much he made Dak. He pretty much he, he he was he was one of the key dudes in forming Dak Prescott into the quarterback that he that he is today. I will always appreciate and love Tyler, not Tyler, Travis Frederick for what he did for the Dallas Cowboys during his tenure. He gave everything he fucking had to this fucking football team. But he's retired, so we have to figure out his position. I hope he comes back. I'm, I'm holding out hope that he comes back, that he that he's like, you know what, I'm rested up, I'm ready to go. You know, apparently with this, you know, autoimmune disease that he had, he, you know, it takes a year, like a year, two years for you to fully be recovered. He's like, I didn't play so good this year, even though he played great, by the way. I'm like, I hope he, he reconsiders and he comes back and, you know, tests out his strength. Maybe, maybe he becomes cut, lean and cut like Joe Thomas. After he retired, he's, he started a swim and he got jacked. Look up Joe Thomas jacked on the internet. Let me actually do that. Like, let me make sure that that doesn't pull up anything bad. He's big, man. Yeah. Joe Thomas is freaking ghastly. He's a monster now. Maybe Travis Frederick is going to be like, you know what? I want to be like Joe Thomas. I want to be jacked. I want to have a six-pack now. I want to have pectorals. It's like they show, they show what Joe Thomas looks like before, and then they show what he is after. He's like, Jesus Christ, Joe Thomas... Goodness gracious is he a big human being now. Big human being as in lean and cut. Maybe that's what Travis Frederick wants to do. Maybe he wants to work out and be lean and cut like Joe Thomas. Whatever he does, I'm happy for him. But we got three centers. We're going to be fine. If they're not going to play at the level of Travis Frederick, but they will all be good centers for the Dallas Cowboys. Joe Thomas, not Joe Thomas, Joe Looney. Connor McGovern, Tyler Biadas. You can even say to yourself, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to try and move Connor, not Connor Williams, Connor McGovern to left guard. We're going to try and um, develop Tyler Biadas as our center. And that's what we're going to do. And then it's like, you may want to look for a left tackle in the next couple of years. When is Tyron Smith's contract out? When is his contract up? Twenty twenty three. So for the next three years, maybe you want to look for a for a left tackle in that span of time. I mean, Dallas surprisingly enough always has one of the deepest offensive lines in the league. Maybe not surprisingly enough, but unsurprisingly enough, one of the deepest, one of the best. So it's like maybe during this time, you got Zach Martin locked down for how long do you have Zach Martin locked down for? Until 2024. So it's like maybe, you know, not saying that you find his replacement, because I still think he's going to play for the Dallas Cowboys, but, you know, you could look for dudes that could come in. Let's say Tyron Smith, he's going to be like, hey, I'm like 30-plus years old. I'm feeling it. I want to continue to play. Everybody keeps on saying trade Tyron Smith. I'm like, are you fucking ridiculous? He's the best left tackle in the league. He only misses three games a season. What are you talking about? He's the best fucking left tackle in the league. We want to trade him because he gets hurt, and everybody says he gets hurt. It's like three games, ladies and gentlemen. Three games. Ironically enough, Minnesota was, I think, one of the... No, it was the Green Bay game, which was the game that he was out. 
for the most part, he's back. He's in the game. He's in the roster. And when he's in the game, he's the best left tackle in the league. That's like being like, you know what? Amari Cooper, let's say he misses three games a season. But guess what? He's the best route runner in the league. Like, he's going to give you 1,300 this year. You like 13? I'll raise my hand high and say, I love 1,300 yards a season. And you know what? Talking about... Talk, this kind of reminds me, going back to my point about Dak Prescott turning a nickel into a dime. Now, let's say you got a 1,000-yard wide receiver, right? 1,000-yard wide receiver. You're looking to get to, like, 4,000 yards. 4,000 yards easily. Not easily, but 4,000 yards for a season, right? That 4,000 yards just can't come from one dude. It's got to come from multiple people. So you need at least another guy that's going to give you another 1,000. That's your Michael Gallup. You need another guy that's going to probably give you somewhere close to six, seven, eight hundred yards. That's your Randall Cobb. And then you can use other guys like Blake Jarwin and company, tight ends, running backs, backup wide receivers, things of that nature to give you the other, you know, couple of amount, not couple of amount, but the other amounts, right? Now, keep in mind, two guys on his team had had a thousand yard season for him. Everybody else. Had other had uh, everybody else had less than a thousand yards. Now, when you think about it like that, just think of how many wide receivers take out Amari, take out Gallup, and then take out yeah Cobb. That's another two thousand yards almost that that you're missing for Dak Prescott because you're pretty much getting like three thousand yards from from uh, from Cobb, Gallup, and Coop, and then it's like you're missing another. Not 2,000, 1,000 yards. Because you're at, wait, yeah, you're at 3,000, you, you need to go to 4,900. So it's like 2,000 yards, almost. Think about that. Think about how many wide receivers Dak Prescott had to throw the football to last season to get that amount of numbers. He's throwing it to everybody. Just watch Byron Jones just get beat badly by Stephon Diggs. Love me some Byron Jones, but he needs to get interceptions. A lot of people say, well, we lost one of the best corners in the league. It's like, yeah, we did, but do you want to know what Byron Jones did not do very well? Get turnovers. I like turnovers. I also like it when our team stops the opposing team. That's what I also like. Talked about Dallas's offense for about an hour and a half. Do I still want to talk about their offense? Talked about nickels and dimes. Talked about the wide receiving core, tight end group. Oh, yeah, Zeke. How many yards do you think he's going to have? West Coast offense. Easily over 1,000 in the run game. I don't think he's going to be a passing game dude. I think he's going to be a, you know, a, a hybrid back. I don't think he needs to. I just think he needs to max out in protection. And I think we're also going to have a better run game this season. <gasps> Surprisingly enough. I think we're going to run smarter and we're going to run better. Our running game will be better this season. Mike McCarthy is not just going to be like running up the gut with Big Zeke, Big 2-1. We're going to play physical. Nope. Going to play smarter. Jet sweeps, fly motion. I'm watching the Minnesota game. Perfect example. 
on the plays where they ran different style, like a different style of running, where they were like, we'll have, we'll toss it to Tony Pollard. We'll toss it to, um, we'll use fly motions. We'll use jet sweeps. We'll give it to Tony. We'll give it to Tavon. They get the edge. Guess what? They put up the deuce. They gain like 10 yards in the run game. You like that? I love it. And it's like Tony Pollard was great at it. It's like, wait a second. I don't, I don't run that back. Especially if everybody's going to be like, well, oh my gosh, you know, well, Dallas is just going to run it straight up the gut. It's like there's different ways to run the football. There's a lot of different ways to run the football. But people are like, up the gut, 2-1. Up the gut, Emmett Smith. It's like, you can still do that, but then on top of that, guess what you do? When you run east to west, you get your guys up the field and you tire out the defensive linemen. This is something that people don't think about. When, when they, when, when, like some of the OGs, they're like, you know, you got to run the football. You know, you got to tire out the defense. It's like, make the secondary, make the linebackers tackle him. Do you want to know what happens when you make the, the secondary, the linebackers, tackle him? They don't want to tackle. I'm watching Delvin Cook run through our secondary right now. They don't want to tackle. You think, I, I don't want to tackle him. Jalen Smith is out there. He's making tackles, but it's like, guess what? Guess what's going to happen in the, in, the fourth, third and, in the third and fourth quarter? Dallas is going to get cut up. Want to know why? Because they've been getting sliced up all game. Because they don't want to tackle. They didn't want to tackle in the first quarter, so of course they didn't want to tackle in the fourth quarter. But the point is, you're playing the long game here. You're playing the long game here. So when you go into these games and you have dudes like uh, like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Chase Young, and they're having to chase the running back down because they're not just going to stand there. You know, they're going to put forth the effort. They're going to go after him. And they're going to, like, let's say they tackle him from behind. Defensive linemen do not want to run. They want to run up. They don't want to run around. They don't want to get off their blocks and then go up the field. Like, they're fat. They're big. Some of them are athletic. All of them are. They're athletes. All of them are athletic. But they're not built for chasing after people. You know? That's why certain, not certain, most defensive linemen struggle with mobile quarterbacks. Because they aren't as fast as them. And they don't have the endurance as them. Which is why whenever you see, like, towards the end of the game, because, again, games, they're not sprints, they're marathons. Towards the end of the game, it's harder for these dudes to chase after quarterbacks. Because they're tired. You tire out the defense. You tire out these defensive linemen. You give guys the edge. It's like, unless they're just fantastic athletes and they can just go up the field, which most defensive linemen can't do, it's very, very hard for defensive linemen to tackle him. And you know what they're going to do. They're in the first quarter. They're, they're just going to freaking run after him because they, they got to put forth the effort. That's what they're going to do. They don't want they don't want to chase after a dude. They want to tackle him. They want you to run it up the gut. Now obviously there's going to be games, there's going to be times, there's going to be situations where it's like, "Yeah, let's let's run it up the gut." Their defensive line does not stack up to our offensive line. But if you want to run the dang on football, 
it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to run it the same way for the last six to seven, eight, ten plus years. You can, you can, you know, have a similar offense to the 49ers. And I'm also not saying that you throw the dang on football just because you have one of the best wide receiving cores in the league. What I'm, well, the reason why I'm saying it is, and this is the concept with some of the best throwing offenses in the league and in college. Do you want to know what they do? They run the dang on football! Because they understand that if they're playing the pass, then guess what? Guess what? Leaves a big hole for our running back to get through. Look at look at Lincoln Riley in the air raid system in Oklahoma. Look at look at the running backs there. Look at Kansas City, Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy. It's a lot more complicated than just running the football or passing the football. There's a lot of nuance to it. There's a lot of different things that you can do with it. However, if you're telling me, 24, which offense would you like to have? I'm saying you freaking pass that dang on football. Want to know why? Because at this point, your passing game is better than your run game. You got three dudes on your offense that can easily have 1,000-yard seasons. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup, plus Blake Jarwin. But then on top of that, then on top of then on top of having those three guys be your wide receivers, you also have Blake Drawen as your tight end, Ezekiel Elliott as your running back, Tony Pollard as your running back, who can also, you know, you can run freaking double slot, which is something that I have wanted Dallas to do for years. Not for Tony, for Dak Prescott. Because he is a master at again doing what? Turning a nickel into a dime. I remember Dallas traded away Ryan Switzer for a defensive tackle that they ended up freaking cutting at the end of the season. Not even at the end of the season, before the season even began. And I was like, Switzer's our only punt returner, not punt returner, but returner, kickoff returner, whatever you want to call it, who's gotten a touchdown in like the last six, seven years. We traded his ass away and he could have been a slot receiver for us. Could have ran double slot. I love double slot. The Patriots run it. West Coast offenses, they run it. Two guys in the slot. It's exactly what you want. If your quarterback can do it, Tony Romo could not have two guys in the slot. He just could not. He couldn't do it. He likes to throw jump balls to to Dez Bryant. He doesn't like to be technical. He doesn't like to be, you know, as much as people want to give, give crap to Dak about his accuracy, which I think is BS... Tony Romo had accuracy issues. Dak Prescott will lay the football up and out in front of his wide receivers. If his, and he is starting to understand the looks that you get when, you're, when your wide receiver is running down the seam and what type of leverage that he has created, either inside or outside leverage. And Dak will put it on the freaking money. He's been doing it since his rookie year. He has gotten significantly better since then. He will put it on the money. He's, he will put it where it's supposed to be. What quarter is it? Because I know, like, Dallas is going to have 14 points in the second quarter, and I, and I just watched Minnesota score another freaking touchdown. It's 14-0 to right now. Not very happy. 32 seconds, so they'll score on this drive. Uh, 
But with it, but when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to have options offensively, and I think their best option is through the air. Haven't talked about it all podcasts. All these dudes can get yak, Y-A-C, yards after catch. The issue with Dak Prescott and his wide receiving course for the last couple of years, pretty much excluding last year and 2018, dudes could not get yak. They couldn't get yards after catch. Watching Dak audible right now at the line of scrimmage, he doesn't like what he's seeing. End of the first quarter. Dudes couldn't get yak. Dudes could not get yak. He gets an Amari Cooper. He gets a Michael Gallup. He gets a C.D. Lamb. 21.4 yards per catch. That's yak. That means he's cutting up a quarter of the field every every single time he gets the football. A quarter of the field almost. Every single time he touches the dang old football. He gets yak. These dudes get yak. Tom Brady had a great quote about the quarterback. He says, I'm a slow white guy. I'm going to give it to my burners. I'm going to give it to my speedsters. I'm going to give it to the dudes that can make plays. His point being is that I can't, I'm not going to freaking, his wife said it best. His wife said he can't run and, not run, he can't catch, not catch, throw and catch the football. Can't do it. Shouldn't have to. He shouldn't do it. Point with Dak Prescott is he's not going to hold the ball forever. I think what's going to happen, and I saw, and again, I've been watching Dallas Cowboy football last couple of weeks, months, really. Most important thing with Dak Prescott is, and the Dallas Cowboys, and the wide receiving core is, last year, of course, is that they, he, he held the ball for way too long, waiting for these, these, these routes to develop. And I'm like, get the ball to them in space. But they were routes that took a long time to develop, and they didn't have any under, they didn't have guys working underneath. They didn't, like, if their dude, if, if somebody was wor- working in the slot, he was also running verticals. They were running verticals. I'm like, what? You don't, and, and I'm looking at the middle of the field. And Mike McCarthy, I guarantee you, he saw this on tape. He's like, Every, you guys got three, four guys working 10 plus yards up the field. All these dudes can get yak. That means they can compensate if they run an underneath route. And if it's like a three yard route, like they go up, like if it's a slant that just goes up three yards and then you go 90 degrees or 45 degrees, whatever, how many degrees it takes to run a slant, you give it to him in space. He's going to make up five, eight, five, five, six, seven yards because nobody's on those underneath routes. They're all, they have all either dropped back into coverage or they're rushing the passer or they have a spy out for the quarterback because that can run. Sometimes you see offenses or not offenses do that. Not offenses, defenses do that. Have, you know, send everybody into coverage, have one guy for the quarterback, have somebody else for the running back or send somebody on a blitz. It's that simple. So Mike McCarthy is like, everybody's running verticals. Nobody, like, what's going on with the coaching staff? Nobody, why is nobody running an underneath route? Zeke is the only guy in the backfield and he's chipping, blocking, or running out in the flat, just waiting behind the line of scrimmage. It's like, that doesn't work. The defense recognizes that and they'll just 
collapse down on him. You have somebody working underneath, like the Patriots do. The thing that I love about the Patriots, it's in and out. It's bang, bang. Snap, throw, bang. I think they clocked Brady's, uh, Brady's snap to throw. I think that's how you say it. From when he gets the ball, from when the ball is snapped to when he throws the ball, it's like three seconds or less than three seconds. Nick Bosa, Joey, what, what, what? I can't remember the Bosa boys. What's his name? Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa. I think his name is Joey Bosa. Yeah, Joey Bosa, Chargers defensive lineman. Playoff game against the Patriots. He was like, I'm getting there in like three seconds. The ball's gone in 2.5. I'm getting there in four seconds. The ball's gone in three. It's in and out of his hands. I don't know why it's in and out of his hands. And by the way, watching this, I watched the highlights for this Minnesota game. The Minnesota Vikings played this game stupendously. Dak was just better. If Jason Garrett hadn't have blown it for the Dallas Cowboys. And I watched this game. Dallas would have won this football game if Jason Garrett wasn't our head coach. Because it was a minute and 59 seconds left when Dak Prescott got the football. It was like 59 seconds when they were in the red zone. They would have scored and they would have won that football game. Kirk Cousins played a good football game. The defense played a good football game. But guess what? Dak Prescott was better. He was way better this game. I'm watching third and four at the 40-yard line of the Minnesota Vikings. 13 minutes, 49 seconds left. Dak Prescott in the shotgun, flank left, Ezekiel Elliott. They're going to blitz on this play. Do you want to know what happens? Dak Prescott recognizes it's a blitz. He maxes out on protection. He's got four... He's got four out wide. Jason Witten is at the top of my screen. And I was yelling at my screen when I saw this play. I'm like, why is it? I'm like, Dak really should have motioned Witten on the inside. But I think he's going to tell Witten, hey, go up the field, run a quick route. Dak is really, you know, I was talking about how Manning is essentially directing his offense. Dak is essentially directing the offense right now. He's talking to Witten. He's talking to dudes. Like, he's probably going to tell Witten, hey, yep, bang, run a short comeback route, and that's exactly what he does. He pushes off, but it's in five yards. It's perfectly fine. But as soon as the ball is released, getting an ad here, as soon, not even snapped, but as soon as the ball is snapped and then, like, thrown to his, uh, to his wide receiver, which is Gallup, it's less than three seconds. It's the exact timing that you want when you have somebody, or not even somebody, but a defense who's constantly rushing the quarterback. Expert play by Dak Prescott. This is, this is what Tom Brady, this is what Drew Brees, this is what their offense run all the time. And Dak is having to freaking tell everybody where to go and what to do. Hey, hey, uh, 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 freaking Jason, run a, five, run a comeback that's, left, that's less than five yards so that way you can push off and won't get penalized. But Dak is thinking, I want it all. So do you want to know who he throws the football to? He doesn't throw it to Jason Witten because he's like, Jace, 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 I love me some Jace. Love me some Wit. He can't run. He can't, he can't get yak. So he's telling Jason to do all this stuff, and, he, and he's like, he, he can't really go through his progressions the way that he wants to. He's going to only be able to have time to look at one side of the football, which is the strong side. He can't look back to Witten, which is the weak side. He's going to have Zeke protect, max out. Because they're coming, and it's, 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 I think, cover one. 
Bang. They blitz. They get him with Harrison Smith off to the edge. But by the, by the time that he puts hands on Dak Prescott, do you want to know where the ball is? In the air. Sailing. Sailing away to one Michael. Not Michael. I think it was either Coop or Cobb. They're tan skin. Bang. Dak snaps it. He looks towards Witten. He doesn't like what he's seeing. Don't do this to me, DVR. Okay, good. It doesn't. He doesn't like what he's seeing. He goes back. He looks. Uh uh-uh. uh. Bang. Bang. Oh, it's incomplete. <laughs> I thought he caught it. I made so much. <laughs> I'm like, I thought he caught it. Like, wait, what was the play? It was a good play. It was like, like it was good. It was just the execution wasn't there. The point that I was trying to make, it doesn't matter about the execution. The point that I was trying to make was that it was, it was what, it was the look that you wanted, but Amari just didn't get the separation. And Dak recognized that it was a blitz, and so did everybody else. And I didn't like the personnel. Tavon Austin was in there. I don't know why Tavon Austin was in there. I would have preferred Michael Gallup to be in there, which is why I was like, why isn't Michael Gallup in that? formation and Dak is having to, to direct traffic it's just nobody got fucking separation in this case I would have taken a shot if I was Dak and I think he would have taken a shot if it was if it was um Gallup now that I look back on this play bang but the running kind of just hmm nobody ran an inbreaking route I mean they just again ran verticals and then they and then you had two you had your two guys on the outside run comebacks and then everybody else just ran verticals and long developing routes. And Dak was, was at the freaking line, and he was like, I can't freaking throw to the verticals unless they get separation. Long story short, Dak Prescott did a good job. Poor execution by the Dallas Cowboys. But, I mean, it's not that big of a surprise. I thought he completed it. I'm thinking of another play where he checked it out or checked, checked at the line or not even checked, really. It was more along the lines that he audibled. He didn't check. It just was like, I'm, I'm getting the hell out of this freaking play scheme. I'm just going to call the play differently. Long story short, I don't know why I thought he completed it. I swear, I, I, like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it was my DVR or something like that. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Dak completed a play that was similar to that. I don't know. But whatever, it's fine. Long story short, you have situations like that where it's like, you, you have dudes that are, that are going to be there on third and four. You're going to have dudes that are going to be there for you in an underneath route, not just in a comeback, but working across the middle. It's like if you know, if you know that the defense is going to blitz, why not have a hot route? Why not have the ability to throw to somebody in the slot? Like for me, it should have been like, all right, we're going to have Cobb work in the slot. He's going to be the slant. He's going to be the dude that's going to be running the slant. He's going to be running some type of end-breaking route. We're going to have Cobb and we're going to have somebody run a vertical for spacing, I guess. I don't know. Whatever the Dallas Cowboys are going to run. Maybe for spacing. Whatever. Michael Gallup. Amari Cooper. Jason Witten. Maybe Blake Jarwin, specifically. We'll see. I don't know the formation. I don't know the personnel. But it's like, come on. And then on top of that, why not Tony Pollard? I think he's better at doing exactly what Tavon Austin was doing. So, anyways, long story short, Dallas has options at wide receiver, at tight end, to throw the football to, 
And I think Dak Prescott is just the dude to throw the dang on football to. Did I say to throw the football to? To throw the football, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what I said. That third and fourth play got me discombobulated because I'm like, man, I thought he was—I thought he was gonna complete it. It looked like he did. It looked like he did because I like I, like sometimes my DVR, whenever I fast forward, it looks like it like shows plays from from like um, from like other parts of the game. So I'm pretty sure that's what I saw because it like I I I do remember him completing that like that pass on third and fourth, but he obviously didn't because. It was almost picked, if I'm honest with you. However, um, he has he has guys, he has options. Now, transferring over to the defense, because I, I really disliked Dallas's defense. Listen, Dallas's defense, can I see a ranking? No, I'm, I'm not going to even look up the ranking, because I know the ranking. The ranking, excuse me. Dallas's defense was one of the worst in the league, worst in, uh, in turnovers, it was really, really inconsistent throughout the the season. It was bad. I think it was also because of the coaching. And I think um, that was the case because apparently Chris Richard and Rod Marinelli, um, they were, Rod Marinelli was the defensive coordinator, but Chris Richard was calling the plays. And then on top of that, Chris Richard had taught the Dallas Cowboy players a specific way how to tackle probably explains why they didn't know how to tackle for like the entirety of the season. And like it uh, it was a, it was a mess because players didn't know whether to go to Chris Richard or Rod Marinelli. It was a mess. So now both of them are gone. <laughs> and um you're going to have the old DC for the Vikings coming in and I I wouldn't say an all-star studded cast of coaches but a pretty good roster of coaches coming in and being the new coaching staff for the Dallas Cowboys is going to be really, really um, great for them because they're not going to be so discombobulated. But then, we're talking defensive, of course, but then on top of the rebranding of the coaching staff, the new coaching staff, you also have some of these same players, some old players, new concepts, things of that nature, you guys got some guys in the draft. You fixed some of the issues with defensive line. And then you also got some, some new guys in the secondary. I'll break it down in a, se- in a couple of seconds. Hold on. Let me take a swig of my water first. All right. So, with this defense, right, what was the issue? Well, inconsistent tackling inconsistent play like playing the run game playing the pass game secondary was one of the worst secondaries in the league with one of the best corners in the league that should tell you something inconsistent schemes just no creativity it was you know, it, it was we'll let them gash us you know we'll let them have a bunch of yards we'll tease them we'll let them get to the red zone and then we'll just stop them from getting into the red zone getting into the end zone which I hate. I was like, or you could just stop them. How about that? You could, you know, you could stop them. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very, very pissed off. 
<clears throat> about them not stopping the uh, every team that they didn't stop. So, last year, if you watched the Dallas Cowboys, just inconsistent. They didn't stop people, whatever. Defense didn't play consistent. One of the worst defenses in the league. If they get consistency, and if they get the ability to stop people via, like, quickly, like you three and out dudes, or you get turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, that type of thing, you stop people, guess what? That high-powered dragon head of an offense, that three-headed monster of an offense, Gallup, Coop, C.D. Lamb, they can run free. And they can run fast. And they will get a lead. There were a lot of games, including the Vikings, where I was watching these games, and I was like, wow, I can't like, I can't believe how fast Dallas can actually score when they want to. When they're not slowly just dragging their feet through the mud and being like, we're going to take a lot of time off the clock and not expose our defense. And it's like, listen, man, if your defense is that defense, if, if, it's, if, if it's like, I remember I watched the Bears in the season opener. They would not lie down. I'm thinking to myself in the fourth quarter, you can go back and watch that podcast. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, the Bears defense, they are going down. And Aaron, they, they are going down, excuse me. And Aaron Rodgers will 1,000% score on this Bears defense. And he never did in the fourth quarter. The Bears defense held strong and they held fast. They would not be scored on by Green Bay. That's a for real defense. That's a legitimate defense. That doesn't that is a defense that doesn't need one of the best run games and one of the best offensive lines to to essentially not expose the defense as being kind of cheap. I think this is the play, the third and twelve play. Maybe this is it. Where Dax slings it. I'm pretty sure this is it. Yep. Bang, pressure comes. Amari Cooper falls away. That's that's the play I'm thinking of. Pressure gets in his face. He gets sandwiched in between two defenders. And he steps up and he throws with some conviction. Dak Prescott is not scared of anybody. And Amari Cooper, fade away catch. You gotta love it. Bang, two feet in. Great job by AC from DP. Anyways. Talking about the Dallas Cowboys and their horrific defense of last year. Dallas gets anything from them. If they stop them, watching a jet sweep by Tavon Austin, guess what? Eight fucking yards on first and ten. Want to know why? Because they don't want to chase after him. And imagine if they, and imagine if it's like, oh, okay, we're going to do the same play with CeeDee Lamb. Oh, who loves contact? Who, who, who will make a, a, the first man miss? Imagine if Kellen Moore on the sideline is watching him and he's like, oh, that's second teams. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to throw it. We're going to buy Dak some time. We're going to max out. We're going to take a shot. Second and three. They're inside the 25-yard line of the Vikings here. Take a shot, man. You got you got, you got got 11 personnel, essentially. Yeah, it's 11. Dak looking, looking, fires across the middle. That's a touchdown for Michael Gallup. And guess what type of a route it is? Guess what fucking route Michael Gallup just ran? Guess what he fucking ran? Guess what he ran? Guess what he ran? I will not shut up. You know what he did, what he ran. They had him one-on-one against a linebacker. Guess what route he just ran because they were playing zone coverage. They ran a, he ran a underneath route, got matched up against a linebacker. That's a fucking easy-ass 
touchdown for Michael Gallup on second and fucking three. NBC, show the replay. Show it. Show it. Show it. Show me that damn replay, NBC. Show me it. They won't show it. <laughs> like, but li- but listen, point is, Michael Gallup just ran the route that I have been saying the Dallas Cowboys should be running. Run an underneath route. They're going to put their DBs, their secondary, they're going to drop everybody back into coverage. And it's zone. What is it? Alexander, he's matched up in press. Bang. Yeah, it's zone. A linebacker's supposed to be on fucking Gallup, and he's a fucking linebacker on Gallup! I'm like, they line up in press, but they drop back because they're in zone, and guess what? Michael Gallup is screaming across the middle, and it's a fucking easy-ass walk-in touchdown! You would think that Dallas, right, during the season, and this, you know, and it frustrates me, because I'm like, this is what I saw all fucking season long. I'm like, he's running an underneath route. They're all going up, and, and, they're, and they're inside the 25, but they're, you know, they're at the 22, 23-yard line, right? So they're, they're not necessarily, like, right up the butt of, you know, of, of, the, of, the, you know, of the end zone, right? They're not, like, just, they're not, like, it's not on, like, the five. It's not inside the five, right? You know, you got some room to operate in. And it's like, well, take a shot, you know? Run an underneath route or, 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 or throw it. Throw a 50-50 to Gallup or Witten or not Gallup. Yeah, Gallup, Witten or, or, or Coop. You know, you got options. And that was my point is that you have options. You constantly have options. But sometimes, man, that damn offense did not act like they had options. They said, we're going to run Zeke. We're going to run Zeke. We're going to run Zeke. It's like, no, you have options. Use them. You have underneath routes. If all you're going to do, if your offense is only going to be about running vertical routes, and I guarantee you next year it will not be but it also check this out it also won't be about just running underneath routes as well it's gonna have some shots Dak Prescott and company they'll take shots but in a in a freaking situation like that where all you have to do and I cannot tell you how many times they played up against the the NFC North and they just ran underneath routes. They just ran underneath routes. Ran underneath routes. They ran an underneath route with Tony Pollard. It was a walk-in, walk-in touchdown. You ran, they ran another underneath route just here with Michael Gallup. Guess what? Underneath route. Oh, my God. We're seeing a common trend here. And it's like it's the easiest freaking touchdown of your life. Like, it's a lot less Dak Prescott. A lot more dudes can get yak. And it's like Dallas played like they didn't. They were like, oh, we got to run vertical routes because our wide receivers can't get yak. It's like, do you know your personnel? Hello? Come on. Like, you know that your dudes can get yak. You know that they're going to run that, oh, yeah, tip pass. They go three and out. Like, you know dudes can get yak. You know that dudes can run after the catch. You know dudes can can freaking win. Come on, man. Oh, man. It blows my mind how bad some of these Dallas games were and how easy it was for some of these, um, for for some of these freaking, for, for this team to win football games, man. It blows my mind offensively. And I was talking about the defense. Now, let me go back to talking about the defense. Oh, wait, let me plug in my computer first. It has only 11% battery. 
Like, plug it in. Plug it in, plug it in. Two hours in, not even close to stopping yet. Defense. You get anything. Anything from them, you get turnovers. That three-headed monster. Dallas's offense crippled itself. It kneecapped itself. It bodied itself last season. It really did. It freaking purposely put its it, it it purposely took a hammer to its femur and broke its own leg and put itself in its own cast and handicapped itself for a full season. It's like let's run the football up the gut with Zeke. And again, I'm not saying that you don't do it, but you you be smarter about it. If in look at Kyle Shanahan, look at what he did. Look at Lincoln Riley. Look at what he does. He wants to throw the football, but he understands you got to eat your your vegetables. You know, you want to you, you you can't just eat candy, you can't just eat steak. You got to you got to get your vitamins, your minerals. You got to have a well-balanced diet, you know? It can't just be run run Zeke. It just can't be run verticals. Sometimes you're going to run underneath routes. Sometimes you're going to like the offense could have been one of the best offenses in the league. In fact, it was. But I mean, one of the best offenses in the league, I mean like 35-40 points average. 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 The issue was they got set in their ways, they got stale, they got boring, and they were like, run Zeke up the gut, run vertical routes, instead of it's like, and trust you me, some people are like, Dak Prescott is going to have a problem adjusting to the offense, no he will not, he will not, period, because he ran this offense, I'm watching him on TV right now run the offense that he is going to run next year, I'm watching him, and he has no problem with it. And this is middle of the season where, where the team is a mess, I might add. It's a mess in their run in this offense to pristine perfection. That's, it's exactly what you want to see from Dak Prescott. Defense does anything this season. Defense gets turnovers. They may run a 3-4, probably. Some, somewhat of a hybrid defense, maybe a 4-3. Looks like they're going into a 4-3. Or not a 4-3, but a 3-4. But they can run it. They got Bradley and I. They're, they're thinking about switching Chidobe Awuja. I think he's a better tackler when he doesn't have to chase after dudes. You know, when, he, when he's chasing, when he's trying to catch up and uh, catch up ground, excuse me. Make up ground. I think he's a better tackler. I think he could be a better safety than corner. But when you put him in a weird position, when you force him to cover, it's not it's not necessarily the best thing. What's going on here? What's going on? What? Uh, Patriots just signed their fourth round draft pick, or not fourth round, second round draft pick to a four year contract. Which, I mean, that, that, that's kind of, that's normal, I guess. And it's like, you know, I mean, what, what do you, like a four-round contract after this round or just a four-round? I, I don't get how this is news. Like, why am I getting an update for this? This is boring. I'm about to turn, like, if I, if, I would rather watch, I would rather watch this game on ESPN than on the NFL. You guys stink at giving me updates. Anyways, I was, I was talking about the defense. 
So I'm talking about giving them anything, blah, blah, blah. I think the defense will be better this year. I think the production out of the defensive line will be better. <clears throat> I think people are underestimating Alden Smith and Randy Gregory, the potential for them to come back. Um, they have not been reinstated. They are looking for reinstatement. They filled out the paperwork. The league still has not decided yet on reinstatement. Um, they, I, they're going to release the schedule tomorrow. Look for them to be reinstated probably mid-May to maybe late May. Next couple of weeks, something like that. I don't really have a timeline for you because I'm not in the league office. I don't know anything. They could be, Dak's going to take a shot. Oh, he's throwing in a double coverage. That's a bad idea, Dak. <clears throat> Harrison Smith came over trying to lob one up to Michael Gallup. By the way, talking about Dak Prescott and his arm strength uh, earlier on in the podcast, I'm watching Dak Prescott throw, looks like a 60 yard bomb. He's backed up on his. 17 yard line and he throws all the way inside like the 25 of the opposing team like yeah that's like a 60 70 yard bomb Dak Prescott doesn't have any arm strength Dak Prescott doesn't have an arm the dude just <laughs> and, he, and he didn't even look like he was trying that hard like like when I, I remember Dak Prescott said one time like he's like if I get my feet straight or set up I feel like I can make every throw on the field and um I was like yeah, right, Dak. Can you throw at 60 yards? Like, yeah, he can. He can, man. And he didn't even look like he was trying to, like, freaking put all of his effort into it, if I'm honest with you. Let me look at it. Yeah, he just sets up and bang. I mean, it just looks like a normal throw to him. And he almost had Gallup, too. That's the thing. He almost had him. That's a dirty thing. The thing is, Michael Gallup wasn't in position. Harrison Smith was kind of on, on his butt, but... He almost had Gallup on a, on a freaking 60, 70-yard bomb. Jesus Christ, Prescott. What a quarterback. Bang, play action. Let me see where he's throwing. He doesn't even throw it from his 15. Looks like it's going to be inside his 10 at his 8-yard line. Where's the ball going to fly or fall? Gallup d- doesn't judge it. It looks like it hit the 24-yard line. That's what? That's what? Like, the 84-yard line? Just threw it like 60, 70, 80 yards. Didn't look like it was anything. Jesus Christ, Dak. He doesn't have an arm. He threw it from inside his 10-yard line to the 24-yard line. I'm not even being... Look this play up. Look up. You need to look up this play. Jesus Christ. This is a large-ass play. I mean, wow. Yeah. Michael Gallup just misjudged it. It was, and I talk about it, I, I, I don't think I've talked about it um, before Dak Prescott's deep ball accuracy, but it is something special, man. I don't know how he got so good at throwing the deep ball in like the last couple of years. Like he, he has gone from significantly overthrowing dudes to now if the coverage wasn't so great, it would have been like a 70-yard completion. Like, holy shit. Telling you, man. Dak Prescott is starting to become a complete quarterback. Not even starting. He he, he, he he just needs to be a little bit more consistent at it. I would like to see more consistency out of Dak Prescott when it comes to... And by consistency, I, I don't mean game to game. I mean year to year. I want to see this type of 
level of play. Maybe not 4,900 yards, but somewhere close to 30 touchdowns, you know, less than 10 interceptions. Uh, I know he had 11, but I would like to see less than 10. I don't really, uh, you know, at, at this point, I'm like, he he threw for 5,000 yards. I'm good on yards. I'm good on, um, I'm going to, I'm good on his completion percentage. All I want to see from him next year, more efficiency, more consistency. I want to see that year to year. He's going over the top. I don't know where he's throwing that football. He throws it out of bounds. Dak is looking uh, like, like he threw it out of bounds. I don't like he had coop. I don't know where he was throwing that thing on thing. Anyways, going back to the defense. Um, there's a lot of reasons to be excited for this defense. Um, first and foremost, I know a lot of Cowboy fans are mad at Tristan Hill. A lot of people are mad at him for his play. Me personally, I'm mad at him because of his attitude last year. If you don't know Tristan Hill, Tristan Hill, he's a defensive tackle that we got in the second round last year. And I'm not even mad at him. I'm just like disappointed more than mad. Defensive tackle we got in the second round last year. He had a lot of talent. Apparently he has a lot of talent. Did not see any of that last year. And um, Rod Marinelli wanted him. He had issues with the coaching staff last, uh, not last year, but with his final year in college. And he didn't really do anything last year, which is why we had to go out in free agency and get a whole bunch of guys. And, you know, we lost defensive tackles, uh, not defensive tackles, but a defensive tackle and Malik Collins last year. Not last year, but this year. We were like, we got to go get Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe. But Tristan Hill now has a lot of competition. Not only because Gerald McCoy is here, but also Neville bleeping Gallimore. I am so happy that the Dallas Cowboys got this dude. He is a pass-rushing, run-stopping, chasing defensive tackle. He's the dude, he's, he's like, he, he kind of, people have him similar, like, some, like, what was it, his, his archetype was like Aaron Donald, right, because Aaron Donald, he's a defensive tackle, that can rush the passer, hold on, he can also play edge rusher, which Neville Gallimore, yes, he also can, as well, long story short, Neville Gallimore, he can play all over the defensive line, he can play at the three, he can play at the five. Not at the five. The one or the three. I always get, like, defensive line confused. I always get the numbers confused. Is it five technique or three technique? I think the five technique is the edge, right? See, even I don't know everything about football. Let me look this thing up. I should have looked this up. Here we go. Five technique football. Yeah, it's the edge rusher. I'm like, that's what I'm thinking, right? Hold on. He can play the three or the one, right? So he can play the one or the three, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, and he can play the five. I'm like, that, I, I always get confused about positions inside defensive linemen. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's very, very confusing sometimes. But yes, he can play either like between the center and the guard or he can play um, between the tackle and the guard, right? Yeah, that's right. The one or the three technique, but he's also played the five technique as well, like the edge rusher. So, there you go. He can play all over the defensive line. 
He can play in the B gap. He can play in the A gap. He plays primarily within the B gap, so... There you go. Oh, the reason why they're showing this dance is because... The the game is because it was the Dak Dance video. Are they seriously showing this game because of the workout? That's so dumb. That's even dumber than trolling the Cowboys. I'm like, that's why you're showing this game? Because this was the game that everybody figured out that Dak does the pregame warm-up? Like, that's so dumb. Anyways... Neville Gallimore is now a Dallas Cowboy. Now, one of my favorite things about what they did, the Dallas Cowboys, is that they got two veteran defensive linemen and two young guys. So essentially, the young guys are going to come in and replace the older guys, right? Because both of these defensive tackles that we got in the offseason, they're both like in their 30s. By the way, speaking of Dak Prescott's freaking deep ball accuracy he just threw a monster of a ball to Randall Cobb straight away right out in front of him that was a fucking beautiful ball when I say that this was probably Dak Prescott's best game of the season man all to have it be just stolen away because of Jason Garrett's ineptitude to coach a football team not being facetious or ironic about it I'm being truthful best game of the season Easily. Easily his best game. He just, like, he he freaking put it out, made, he put it out where, and, and, and on the play, he, he hard snaps it, or he hard counts it, and it gets the defense off sides, so it's a free fucking play. And it's exactly the type of play that Aaron Rodgers runs all the time in Green Bay. It's a great play by Dak Prescott. It's fantastic. And I and, and here's the thing about Dak, and here's how I know he's becoming an elite-level quarterback right before my eyes, and this is why it blows my fucking mind whenever people have the audacity to tell me that, oh, we can go ahead and we can get a replacement for Dak Prescott. Oh, Dak Prescott, he's not a very good quarterback. Oh, but, like, that play right there, that touchdown pass, perfect. Perfectly thrown ball, pre-snap and post-snap. Perfectly executed play. Gets the defense offsides. Puts it right on the money for Randall Cobb to make the play of the game on. the Not of the game, excuse me, but to make a play on the football. And it's a touchdown. And, like, in the, it's, it's, bur- it's perfect. It's exactly what Aaron Rodgers does. And the dude gets no credit. He gets no credit for doing a play like that. Perfectly thrown ball. Perfectly executed play. Great job by Dak Prescott. Beautiful ball. I like. I can't wait for. I cannot wait for this dude to get fucking CD Lamb, man. I I listened back to when I when I was casting the draft a couple of weeks ago. I was listening to that yesterday, and I literally could not breathe because of my excitement for getting CD fucking Lamb because I knew how dangerous. Dak Prescott would become C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Blake Jarwin, Ezekiel Elliott, the offensive line, rebounding. Like, those offensive components, ladies and gentlemen, would just... We're, we're not even talking. Like, like it's weird to me whenever people are like, oh, yeah, uh, the, the Eagles, they got a shot to win the division. I'm like, no, they don't. They don't. And it's not even close. 
Who is their secondary? Who is in their secondary? It's like, have fun. Hey, hey, Fletcher. Hey, Fletcher Cox. Have fun chasing around CeeDee Lamb and Tavon Austin and Tony Pollard. We're not going to run the same plays that we ran all last year. We're going to be better. And you want to know something interesting? Even though the guy that... I will say this. One thing about Jason Garrett... Um, more specifically with Dak Prescott. No, I won't say he had a firm grasp on the vision because he lost to Philadelphia. I'm not going to say he had a firm grasp more Dak Prescott than Jason Garrett. But the cool thing about Dak Prescott is that he does have a firm grasp and understanding of this division. So when he goes in next year, and even though he's playing with a new offense, not an offensive coordinator, but with a new uh, head coach, Maybe some new schemes, things of that nature. He's going into the season with some new concepts. Similar concept applies with this division. The division is, most of these teams, they don't got good secondaries. Most of these teams, they don't got good run stoppers. Like Dallas, Dak Prescott. They are going to be, and keep in mind, I think he's going to improve this year. Oh, yes. I think he's going to improve. And watching this Minnesota game back, I've watched it almost twice today. I've watched the highlights, and now I'm watching the full game. Watching this game back, you know what? I, I said it before. I said Dak Prescott will be an MVP caliber player this year. Right now, my top five quarterbacks in the league are Patrick Mahomes, and, and in no particular order. Let me make that clear. No particular order. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, who else? I think Aaron Rodgers as well. I think so. Because I'm like, I don't think anyone else. Oh, like Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. I think Drew Brees, I don't know. There's a lot of good quarterbacks. I was about to say, well, maybe not in my top five for D-Watt. Let me, let me do that again. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar, Aaron. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'd put him in my top five. Everybody's like, well, how can he be in your top five and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, look at his fucking offensive line. Look at his run game. Look at how many wide receivers he had. He had three, but he got smashed. And look at how terrible his defense and his coaching staff is. Terrible, 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 terrible. I love Deshaun, but man, does his team suck. (laughs) I'm like, man, does his team suck. Like, can you name me an offensive line on Deshaun Watson's offensive line? An offensive line men on his offensive line? Probably not. That's why I'm like, man, Deshaun... Jesus Christ, this team sucks. <laughs> Anyways. Moving on. Back to the defense. I'm so glad we got Neville Gallimore. Um, I was starting and stopping on Aaron Donald. I was talking a whole bunch about Aaron Donald and how he kind of, uh, the, not the prospect, but essentially the, like, a player that's, similar uh that that Neville Gallimore excuse me is similar to is Aaron Donald he can rush the passer from the inside and from the outside so maybe he kind of becomes that new Michael Bennett for you or he essentially becomes that new Gerald McCoy or he becomes the guy that on the inside can rush the passer which if you put Demarcus Lawrence and Neville Gallimore on the football field and it's like you know now you you can't necessarily use a guard on on um on Demarcus Lawrence now you can't well yeah maybe you can maybe not a guard but a tackle and a guard on Demarcus Lawrence now you're gonna have to now you're gonna have to freaking actually have him matched up one on one maybe you have a tight end maybe you have a running back to chip 
obviously, maybe to just pass protect, like full, like you max out on the Marcus Lawrence. I don't know. But you now definitely have a dude in Neville Gallimore who I think should be competing for not only a starting slot for this football team, but also a backup position as well. Like, I think he should be the number two di- the number two guy in Tristan Hill. He should get ready. He's going to have fucking competition. And one thing that I, and I talked about it before I went on a rant about Dak Prescott again. But one thing that I talked about with, um, with Tristan Hill was that I didn't like his character. Or I was disappointed in his character. It's not like I hated his character or whatever. It's like I was, I was disappointed. Apparently him and another player were falling asleep during a practice meeting. During a meeting. Cannot do that. Most of the season, our second round draft pick, riding the bench. Did not like that at all. So, <clears throat> when it comes to Tristan Hill and his, um, you know, and his ability, he he has ability. And you know, some players they need time to develop if they're raw prospects. And Neville Gallimore is definitely a raw prospect. And Tristan Hill may just not necessarily have it. He's got talent, but he may not have the drive, you know, to win, to be a cowboy. But now, that monster, Neville Gallimore, I said it, man, at the combine. I was like, this dude hit a tackling dummy, and it did not, it did not get back up. Some people are like, you know, you got to watch all the tape. I've, I've watched some Oklahoma football. I'm about to rewatch the Red River Bowl. Because I love Oklahoma beating up on Texas because Texas sucks. And I'm from Texas and I will root for Texas. But I will not root for Texas when it's a bad football team and they're just, they're they're spoiled. God damn it, Texas. You're letting Oklahoma run all over you. Guys, don't even play in the SEC. How the hell are you from Texas and you don't play in the Southeastern Conference? You're playing in the Big 12. Come on. Really? Seriously? Have one of the coolest outfits in all of Texas. Almost as cool as the Dallas Cowboys. That burnt orange and white. Embarrassment. That's what I call UT. UT's football program. Their academic, their education, flawless. Going back to the Sooners and Neville Gallimore specifically. I've wanted him, but I thought that we weren't going to get him. I thought that he was going to go to another team in the first or the second round. I was like, man, I want this dude so badly. I can't wait. I, but I thought it was an impossibility like, like CD Lamb. But when we, we not only got him in the third round, we not only, excuse me, when we not only got him, but in the third round after getting Trevon Diggs, I'll talk about him in a couple of seconds. Like, there's a reason why I'm like, I look at it, all these other drafts and I'm like, there's some pretty good drafts. There's some great drafts like the Vikings and I, you know, and, and, and Baltimore, but I'm like, they're not as good as the Cowboys. Sorry. Not sorry. Going on to Trevon Diggs, another guy, I think Michael Gallup, not Michael Gallup, Neville Gallimore and Trevon Diggs are probably going to be starters in the next year. Not this year, but next year, potentially. Probably starters for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, maybe Gerald McCoy moves off. Maybe, maybe, maybe they still keep Gerald McCoy. But however you like, however you look at it, Gerald McCoy is going to be a Cowboy for the next three years. I think they may not keep him for three years. They may keep him for one, maybe two, maybe three. 
It may not be the full length of his contract. But the long the long and the short of it is, is that Dallas now has two viable options to play the three technique. Inside the guard and the tackle. Three viable options. Obviously, Gerald McCoy. Then my number two would be Neville Gallimore. My number three would be Tristan Hill. Now, he's going to get another shot, Tristan Hill. But he's going to be in some trouble if he gets beaten out by a dude who just entered the league. And he's been in the league for a year. They say that an NFL player's you know, lifespan within the league is like three and a half years. Well, his first year just got up. He's about to have his second year. It may be two and a half. He's got two and a half years, man. He's got he's to make a play. He's got to do something. There were games where he didn't even suit up. The second rounder. Trevon Diggs, is, he's going to suit up. He may play special. He's probably going to play special teams his first year. He's going to suit up, though. He's going to be out on that football field making tackles. He may even be covering. He may be the second dude. Depending on, if he beats out one of our starters, which I would love, if he becomes the number two guy and Anthony Brown becomes the number one, or if he's a lot better than people think he is, which he, he probably isn't because he's raw, he played wide receiver until like his freshman year of college. So he's kind of new at the position at corner, but he catches the football and he guards wide receivers like a wide receiver who's playing DB. So pretty well. And he can he has great ball skills, which is why I love Trevon Diggs. But man, he's the corner man. He's that dude that you want. And I think year one, he could potentially beat out some of these dudes for starting positions. Um, Chido Bayouje. He could also be moved. Cheeto. He could be moved to safety as well. I think he's a thumper. I think he, you know, he he he, he may not he, he's not the best cover dude. Every single game they went after Cheeto, man. They went after this dude, man. I'm like, okay, it's time to switch positions. He can tackle when he's not running like side to side. When he's running straight ahead, oh yeah, he can he can make that play. But when he has to like move laterally and he has to make a play, like he awkwardly tackles, man. It's awkward. And apparently he learned that from Chris Richard. And apparently that's not even how they tackle. They don't cover, they don't do things cover wise. So long story short, coaching staff could have played a part in his inability to tackle and the inability of the entire Cowboys roster to not tackle. Regardless, um, he's going to have some new coaching staff and they're going to they're gonna teach him how to tackle properly. So, anyways. Uh, Cheeto could move positions. Trevon Diggs could be a starter for the Dallas Cowboys. Bradley and Nye. Edge rusher out of Utah. Again, another depth piece. But some of these dudes like Neville Gallimore, Bradley and I, CeeDee Lamb, they're going to fill out their second year because they're going to start lifting weights. Not college weights, NFL weights. They're going to get nutritionists, the, the team nutritionists. They're going to get prepared meals. They're going to get all that crap. That million dollar facility, the star, multi-million dollar, billion dollar facility. I don't know what it is. Going to get that as well. They're pretty much going to be able to have pro-athlete bodies instead of student-athlete bodies, you know? So yes, there is an upside to being a pro in year one, year two. From year one to year two. 
as much as people want to be like, well, there's a sophomore slump and blah, blah, blah. It's like some people there is, other people there isn't. So, I'm trying to think of other positions <clears throat> defensively to get excited for. Because I talked about two hours on the offense. I'm trying to get some defense in. Layton's coming back. Sean Lee's coming back. Jalen's coming back. Those are some reasons to be excited. Jalen may move positions. I like that. I like the helmet with the microphone, the earpiece is being in Layton. I think he's going to be, um, I think Jalen played Mike or, and I think Layton played strong side or something like that. I don't, I don't know, but I like, I would not mind if Jalen, if Layton was that dude that was now, you know, giving the signals via the, the earpieces. Cause to be honest with you, the, the offense or the defense didn't necessarily, uh, look that good with Jalen calling the plays and it's like, well, Leighton is kind of start not starting, but Leighton has kind of been Sean Lee's understudy more than Jalen has. Jalen has kind of done his own thing, it looks like, and Leighton has kind of been directly involved with Sean Lee. He kind of looks up to Sean Lee. So it's like, if you were to tell me which one would I want to call the plays, I'm, first and foremost, I would love to have Sean Lee call the plays. Second of all, um, if it was between Jalen and Leighton, I would rather have Jalen be the enforcer uh, Leighton be the commander. If that's the um, if that's the analogy that I'm going to use. Anything else? Talked about Neville. Talked about haven't talked about Bradley and I. But I did talk about. Oh, I haven't talked about Trayvon Diggs that much. Um, again, turnovers, turnovers, and Reggie Robinson. Those two guys, turnovers, 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 turnovers. That's what Dallas is looking to do this time around. If you have a high-powered offense, having a team that can burn you doesn't really concern me that much if your offense can score quickly and comfortably and often. Dallas has like three, four, five different ways that they can score inside the passing game, but it also has a couple of different ways that it can manipulate the defense um, via the run game and the passing game. So there's a lot of different options. There's a lot of different creative things that you can do as a coordinator and also, excuse me, as a um, as a head coach with this offense. It's just like, what do you want to do? You know, options are up to you because there is a lot of options for you to do. Excuse me. So, when it comes to the defense, you may not necessarily have replaced Byron Jones, but have you essentially gotten some dudes that can um, that can come in, start for you, yes and yes, in years one to two? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 1,000%. Reggie Robinson, I haven't even talked about him. He could, They got him watching the game. They got Antoine Woods, free play. Play didn't go anywhere. Sorry about that. Anyways, did you get guys that could potentially start within the next year to two years? Oh, yeah. You sure did. Exactly what you did. 
Did you get some dudes that are going to be developmental pieces like Neville Gallimore that could potentially start and get some valuable snaps in? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Learn from the best, Gerald McCoy. Be involved in a defensive line group that I really, really like. Being a defense that I really, really like the leadership in, Sean Lee, Leighton Vanderish, Jalen Smith, Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, those boys. Yes, sir. One thing I'll say about the defense, great leadership. But it's got to be, it's got to be, it's got to transition to the football field. But, Neville Gallimore could potentially be that dude that Dallas has. I think Tristan Hill is playing. No, it's Antoine playing the three. But Neville Gallimore, I think he could be another version of Aaron Donald when it comes to like the ceiling, right? Everybody talks about a ceiling. I think he, he I think he could be another version of Aaron Donald, I think he could be a dude that could rush the passer from the inside and the outside. I think he could be a nice run stuffer for you. I think he could be a dude that could really start pushing the pocket on some of these dudes. And when Demarcus Lawrence come comes screaming off the edge, guess who's there? Or not when he comes uh, screaming off the edge, but when the pocket collapses and the quarterback tries to run, you know, uh, not avoid, not run, excuse me, but step out of the pocket or run out of the pocket or pirouette, guess who's there to wrap his ass up? Number 90, long and the short of it is Dallas, weirdly enough, I think their defense got better coaching-wise and prospect-wise and free agency-wise on one of the most important positions on the football field, and that is defensive line. Then they got some corners. They got dudes that can flex. Cheeto can flex at safety and at corner. Reggie Robinson, same deal. Weirdly enough, I wanted them to get Xavier McKinney in the first round. Obviously, they didn't get him, but they may have gotten a safety or two with the coaching staff. Like They may be like, let's move Reggie to safety. Let's, lo- let's move Cheeto to safety. Let's do the reverse of what happened to Byron Jones, where he moved to safety. He moved from safety to corner, and he became an all-pro. We'll see. But I remember everybody was talking about how Dallas didn't need a um, a wide receiver in the first round and how they needed a DB. And I remember Cynthia Freeland talking about how Dallas needs a DB, DBs, because, and she was talking about this after the draft, and she was like, well, Dallas didn't, draft, didn't, didn't address the DB. They only got Trevon Diggs. And it's like, nope, Cynthia, they got Reggie Robbins in the second and the fourth. Yes, he is a DB, and yes, he could potentially start within year one, year two. Yes, he can. Now, with this football team, where do I see it? Well, it's got a lot of depth defensive-wise. Maybe not at linebacker, but definitely at defensive line, and definitely at corner and safety. Because you can, again, flex certain players to play safety, like Cheeto and, again, Reggie. So now a position where it's like, okay, you needed a number one corner. You may not have necessarily have gotten one that can start for you. Maybe Trevon Diggs, he's a little bit raw. He may start for you. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. 
but you guys now have a lot of depth at DB. So obviously that's going to help out your special teams. Obviously that's going to help out your de- your your defensive back unit. It's going to help you out a lot more in the long term than you would think. So, when it comes to the Dallas defense, I'm like I we lost Robert Quinn who I'm watching on TV right now. We wa- we lost Malik Collins, who it's like, I'm not shedding any tears over that. I'm like, all right, you know, he was okay for us. We lost um, Byron Jones, huge loss for us. But beyond that, uh, that's kind of it. And really, what you needed to do was you needed to find a way to get better at corner. I think we did. I think next year we're going to have way more turnovers than we had last year. I think next year, Dallas's defense should at least be significantly better than what they were last year. And last year, they were a fucking joke. Some of their players like Jalen and Layton did not have good seasons for a lot of different reasons. Layton was hurt. Jalen was just bad in some games. And he was a pro bowler, by the way. Other times, Demarcus Lawrence wasn't very good. Defensive line wasn't very good. Interior, of course. Secondary was bad. But Dallas, you got to like what, you, what you're seeing. you got to like the players that they drafted, that they got in free agency. got to like the teams that they're going up against. got to like Dallas right now. Dallas is going to have a fucking fantastic season next year. I think I've said it. I said it before. I said 10 and 6. That's my conservative guess. But also, by the way, obviously, because, <clears throat> because of like the, the actual schedule, some of the games that I predicted, 10 and 6 was my conservative estimate. But I was like 12 and 4. Like, there's not a lot of teams that I feel like can outright beat Dallas right now, unless something bad happens. Not a lot of teams that can just outright just outplay D, uh, Dallas. Like, Minnesota, keep in mind, by the way, let me take a swig of my water first. Hold on. Keep in mind, by the way, Dallas, oh my God, let me adjust. <sighs> Sorry about that. Dallas, in this game versus Minnesota, special teams has gone horribly wrong for Dallas. Just terrible. Um, they're bad. Defense is getting shredded. They gave up 14 points in one quarter. And I think they'll repeat that in the third and fourth. Where they'll get scored on tremendously. Um, and the offense can't run the football. And the coaching staff is just fucking disgusting. And somehow, someway, fucking Dak Prescott pulls a miraculous show out of his ass and torches Minnesota. And Minnesota, at this point, is blitzing him, giving him disguised coverages, uh, mixing in different personnel against different like players on his football team. They're, they're throwing the kitchen sink. This is the kitchen sink game that everybody was talking about a week before he played up against the Patriots. And Dak Prescott shined like the star on his helmet. 
He was fucking fantastic. But because it's a loss, everybody's like, oh, this game doesn't matter. And it's like, no, it does fucking matter because this is how the Dallas Cowboys offensively are going to operate. This is how Dak Prescott is going to play the fucking game next year. There's going to be way more consistency. And everybody, I remember everybody, like some some people gave up a bunch of bullshit reasons why not to blame it on the head coach and the defense. Some people were like, oh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, they got off to a slow start and that's why they lost football games because it was Dak Prescott and company getting off to a slow start. Why do you think he got off to a slow start? Because they were running the football all the fucking time because guess what? That was their fucking game plan. That's what they were that's what they were trying to do. They were like, "Well, let's try and run the football. Let's do that all the time because that's what that that's what we always do." And instead of being creative and smart and intelligent and playing towards the op- the opposition, playing up to them and playing them straight up, Guess what Dallas did? They played down to them. They were like, oh, we're just going to run the football because we're more talented than one than the other team. It's not like certain teams, not certain teams, but every team was bad against the run, so you run it. It's like, no, that's the Dallas Cowboys' strength, and that's what they were great at, so they were like, oh, we'll just run it. But when you come across another team that's also great at fucking stopping the run, it's kind of hard to run the football. everybody's, you know, taking a victory lap and talking about the Dallas Cowboys and a negative outlet and things of that nature. And it's fine with me. You know, I'm a Cowboy fan. One thing that you're, one thing that you get used to if you're a Cowboy fan is taking other people's shit. But then you ask them, hey, what's your team? Oh, I'm a Bears fan. Oh, I'm a Vikings fan. Oh, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm like, combined, you motherfuckers only have like two Super Bowls. What, (laughs) what the fuck are you talking about? Like, shut up. You guys, your team suck. Like, Jerry Jones is an obnoxious owner. A horrible GM. But look at our drafts comparatively to yours. You guys suck. Shut up. We got CeeDee Lamb. You guys got Jalen Rager and Cole Commit. Justin Jefferson's great. It's like you guys signed Kirk Cousins to a three-year contract. How do you like that? Jesus Christ, man. I'm sick of it. Well, D- Dallas isn't going to make the playoffs this year because the, the the Eagles, the Eagles, the Eagles, really? What did the Eagles do this year? What? What did they do? Tell me. What they did? What did they do? What did they do? Where I'm sitting, they didn't do anything that says to me that they can beat the Dallas Cowboys in a two-game series. Have fun dealing with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott and Travis Frederick and Zach Martin and, not Travis Frederick, Zach Martin and Lael Collins and Tyron Smith and Connor McGovern and Connor Williams and Tyler Biadas and Joe Looney and Blake Jarwin and Tony Pollard. Have fun dealing with those guys. Then we'll feed you to our defense once we're done with your offense. Not with our offense, but with your defense. We'll feed your offense to our defense. Have fun catching up to a 14 14 plus point lead. And I guarantee you one thing, ladies and gentlemen. I guarantee you this. Dallas, once they get the ball rolling, once their offense gets rolling, they will not give up a lead. One thing is for certain. (laughs) 
Dallas does Dallas. I have very, very rarely seen Dallas get. I, I don't even think I've ever seen them under the Dak Prescott uh, era. Era, excuse me. Get ahead two. Pos- oh yeah, I have, and it's because of the defense. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, yeah, I saw them lose to the to the Packers and the Rams in 2017. They were up like I think two scores or three scores, and the defense just let them just. Let the let the other team just you know we're we're not gonna play to stop them we're not gonna pin our ears back and and try and rush the passer knowing that they have to throw the football what we're gonna do is we're just gonna freaking let them get fifty yards and let them run up and down the football field and get into our red zone and let them score a touchdown within a minute left of the damn football game and let them win a football game that's what we're gonna do that's what their defense did because they 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 believed you know what you know what. You know what? We don't got to stop them. All we got to do is is um what, what's it called? Not what was the what was the phrase? You know, what, what was it? Bend but don't break. There you go. We don't have to bend. We don't have to break. All we got to do is bend. It's like then they would bend until somebody would put them over their knee and snap them in half. Let's talk about primetime games that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be playing in. Because there's going to be, not even that they're going to be playing in, but some primetime matchups that I think the Dallas Cowboys should be slotted in for. Like, you should pencil it in, get, like, like if you're the NFL, you should be like, hey, we want the Dallas Cowboys in this game, this game, this game, this game, and this game. Not even the NFL. Uh, if you're a network, you're like, bang, bang, bang. By the way, just saw Dak Prescott hot route to, to Jason Witten. It's like, oh my God, what a surprise. Not only did that work, but that worked to great effect. It's like, oh yeah, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe it's, maybe it's just me. It's play action to Zeke. What, what is it, second and, no, it's first and 10. It's first and 10, play the actions it's to Zeke. Jason Witten just runs a fucking slant, and guess how many yards it is? It's like eight or nine. And if he was faster... 10 to 12. Not saying that you run a slant on every play, but it's like, come on. Come on, man. It's, some of this stuff isn't very difficult. It's concepts. You're running verticals, send an underneath route. And all of your guys don't have to run an underneath route. I'm just saying, you can run an underneath route every now and again. Just saying. I'm just saying. All right. <clears throat> Talking about primetime games that I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to play in. That I think would be great games to put in Dallas. Um, obviously, Arlington is the place to be. But I also like... Oh, God, that's a terrible stadium. <laughs> that's a MNT Bank Stadium. That's a terrible stadium name. Um, I like Mark Ingram calls it the bank. I'm just going to call it um, Baltimore. I like Baltimore in Baltimore as a primetime game. I think that would be a fun game. By the way, any there, I think the NFL usually has two divisional games for the uh, for the not for the Dallas Cowboys, but for the NFC. Yeah, yeah, for the Dallas Cowboys, they put like two divisional games on primetime. Um, usually, it's the Eagles and the Giants. They usually don't put Washington in primetime because Washington stinks. But they always want that NFC action. And when you put the two biggest franchises, two biggest fan bases against each other, oh yeah, rakes in the money, rakes in the views. 
pretty much easy money at that point when you're like, yep, we like we like the Vikings, not the Vikings, the Cowboys and the Giants prime time. So probably two NFC East games, Giants and Cowboys and um, uh, Eagles and Cowboys. Those are probably going to be the divisional games as well. Maybe also Washington. Maybe they're like, let's put on Washington as a primetime game. Maybe Thanksgiving as well. But I like Baltimore. I like two primetime divisional games. Um, I like San Francisco as well. San Francisco, that's a fucking great game in Arlington. Dak Prescott versus that defensive line. And by the way, check this out. I love this Vikings game. This Vikings game, it's a loss. It's painful to watch, but let me tell you something. Dak is destroying the Vikings. Destroying them. Bang. Bang. Inside the 15-yard line of the Vikings. Randall Cobb. What was the box score for this? Let me let me check that. Let me check out the box score. Let me see how many yards Randall Cobb had during this football game. <clears throat> like, let me let me check out. Let me check out Minnesota Vikings box score. How many yards? Randall Cobb. Hold on. 106, one touchdown. He had six receptions. He was balling. And then on top of that, where where is AC? 147 yards, one touchdown, 11 receptions, 14 targets. Michael Gallup, he had four target, four receptions. He had 10 targets. He was dropping passes this game, man. And he had 76 yards and a touchdown. So, just saying. They were balling. Cobb was balling. The slot receiver, that nickel, turned into a dime. He be balling. Anyways, um, San Francisco, perfect, perfect, perfect game. You know, pretty, pretty interestingly matched football teams. Um, 49ers with their... With their, uh, what was it called? With their secondary and their defensive line. DeForest Buckner obviously gone, but they got Javon Kinlaw. And um, Richard Sherman, I think, was the best corner, if not the second best corner in the league uh, last year. They're going to be going up against the Cowboys. Old rivalries, old 90s rivals. Uh, you gotta you got to put that game on primetime. You got to put them on. You got to put them on. Arlington, especially Sunday night. And again, midseason... If Dallas is the is if Dallas is Dallas and we'll figure it out tomorrow, if Dallas is the Dallas that I think they'll be, which is like a lot of a lot of yards, a lot of receptions, a lot like high flying offense, if they are that team, oh sweet Jesus, teams are going to be kicking their feet. They're going to be rearranging their primetime schedules. They're like fuck that team that we got on Sunday night. We want Dallas. Unless Fox has Dallas, like usually, usually Fox is going to try and have Dallas on a pro- not not Fox, but usually the NFL. What the NFL usually does is Dallas and Mark my word circle the state. 
Dallas is either going to be on Monday, Thursday, or Sunday night football every single week for the not every single week, but for the majority of the weeks, right? Or they're going to be on America's game of the week, which is pretty much Fox's prime time. It's the four o'clock game, three, four o'clock, two o'clock, one o'clock game, depending on where you live. It's that like midday game. You know, where there's been some NFL games and things of that nature that's been going on. That that game of the week is essentially that last game. So, not the last game, but it's um, it's the second to last game before Sunday night. So, mark my words. Teams don't jump on some of these, some of these games by the Dallas Cowboys, and they'll say Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and all these other teams. They'll jump on those games as well, but they're going to be looking at Dallas, and they're going to be like, we want Dallas almost every single week. ESPN, NBC, Fox, stuff like that. I would love to have I would love to smoke Pittsburgh in primetime too, but I don't think that's going to happen. Seattle, that may be a primetime game. I would hate Oh man, I would hate it if the Dallas Cowboys had to go up against Pitts, not Pittsburgh, Seattle in the fucking rain. I would hate that. But it could potentially be a possibility. But I think Dallas would have the upper hand because of our tackling. Hopefully it gets better. Hopefully it reverts back to what it was in 2018 over 2019. And I think we have a better running game. Potentially. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Then Minnesota. I would hope that Minnesota is like a primetime game because I want to beat the dog out of Minnesota. I want to beat the dog out of Minnesota. Beat them up, slice them up, dice them up, rice them up. I want to go after them. I want them. I want all. I want all the smoke. Also, the Browns as well, because the NFL has this dumbass rule where every single team has to have a prime game, a prime time game. I'm like, that's dumb. It's like the team, the the fans of that team want to watch that team play, but most of the teams in the NFL don't want to watch the Bengals or the Browns. Come on. Spare our eyes. Don't make us watch bad teams play in primetime. I think that's it. For games that I think are going to be primetime games. I mean, there's like one more, like the Rams. They love putting the Rams on primetime because they're in Los Angeles. I would not mind going up to the Rams and doing them dirty. Like they did us back in 2018 when we were challenged, when we should have beaten the brakes off them. I looked, you know, you know, it's funny. I looked at Dak Prescott's playoff losses. They all like are like of 30 points. Like the defense did not stop anybody. Like you go back, you look at Green Bay. It was like 36 to 30 something. You look at freaking the Rams. It was like 30 to 22. It was ridiculous how many times Dallas lost uh, a, a playoff game. By like 30 points. I'm like, no, 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 no. And Dak Prescott has like three touchdowns. It's ridiculous. It's like, can we, can we like, can, can the defense play up to this, to the level of our offense? Like, seriously, come on. Like, like, I get, I get it. You know, it's like, like we're going up against some pretty good teams in the playoffs, but it's like one week you guys shut out Seattle, Seattle's run game. And then the next week you get torched. By the Rams for almost 200 yards. Not for almost 200 yards. For 200 and like 40 something yards. You guys almost had 300 yards of rush against you. That's pathetic. Lane Van Esch should have been defensive player of the year. And 
Loses to freaking Seattle. Not Seattle, Rams in horrific fashion. Could not. They pulled him. They pulled him for Sean Lee. Pulled him. Oh, my God. It's horrible to watch. That Prescott is playing his arse off. Doing what he needs to do to keep the team, you know, in, in, you know, in, in, in the game. It's like just, oh, God. I, uh, damn. That 2018 Dallas Cowboy team pissed me off, man. I'm like, I'm like, damn, I can't. <laughs> oh, my God. The long and the short of it is, ladies and gentlemen. I think Dallas can easily be a playoff team this year. I think they can win 10, 10, 10 plus games. I think I think they got a straight shot to the playoffs. I I don't think their division can stop them. Everybody wants everybody's like, you know, we're not going to give up the division to the Philadelphia Eagles because they won it last year. It's like the Philadelphia Eagles are overrated. Overrated. What did they do in the draft? What are they doing that they didn't do anything in the draft? What are they doing free agency? They get they get that number 1 corner that they wanted. They didn't, did they get Byron Jones, who everybody and their mother, even Jane Slater, was like, you know what, you know what, um, it, she was, she was, uh, it, it was so weird to me how often Jane Slater was like, you know, Amari Cooper could go to the Philadelphia Eagles, Byron Jones could go to the, to the freaking Philadelphia Eagles, I'm like, what are you doing, what, not every single cowboy wants to play for a divisional rival, as evident by Byron Jones going to Minnesota, as evident by freaking Washington trying to, to swoop up Amari Cooper from under our grasp. And Amari Cooper's like, I'm faithful. I want to be a cowboy. I'm married to the cowboys. I'm loyal. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Ten and six, one of the best teams in the conference, easily the best team in the division. Eagles, I would not be surprised if they were the third or the fourth seed. You know, everybody always surrounds Carson Wentz with a lot of hype. Every single time, every single year, like Carson Wentz is, every single year everybody says this is Carson Wentz's year. It always turns out, it always turns up short every single year. It's his year. It's his year. Carson Wentz is going to be a great quarterback. He's going to have an MVP season. It's like even the season where he had an MVP, where a quote-unquote MVP season, I would have given it to Deshaun Watson. And everybody's like, well, Deshaun Watson got hurt. So did Carson Wentz. And everybody's like, well, you know, Carson Wentz would have won the MVP if he hadn't have gotten hurt. But it's like Deshaun Watson had had, had a game as a rookie where he had five touchdowns. Carson Wentz has never had a game where he had four. And you want to crown him king? Check, please. Oh, my God. When is he going to show up? Oh, last year when Dallas didn't have a head coach? When their defense played horrendously? When they were dysfunctional? When Washington was horrible? When the Giants were terrible? When both teams, Giants and Washington, had a rookie? That's when you want to say this is when this dude arrives? And he beats rookies or backup quarterbacks? Really? I just want to make sure so that way when when he loses to real quarterbacks, there's no excuses. Oh, he can only beat court. Oh, oh, okay. He can only beat backup quarterbacks. Okay. Okay. Then why why would you give him $32 million? Oh, he now needs a backup quarterback. 
oh, we're going to use him in a run game. Oh, you know, J.K. Dobbins was still available. Oh, you know, we can use him as a wide receiver. Oh, you know, Denzel Mims. Okay. All right. All right. Excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24's podcast. The best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. You can find this podcast on Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Pretty much where you can find any podcast, you can find 24's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen. No, we talked about a lot of Dallas Cowboys stuff today. Tomorrow, it's going to be a whole bunch of NFL schedule stuff. The schedule will be revealed. I will be back tomorrow to talk about all of that good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, don't want to miss tomorrow's podcast. Until then, I hope you have a fantastic day, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.